All right, here we are. Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast that you've all been waiting for. I guess. <laughs> we have uh, a classic uh, group of reviewers here. We have myself, I'm Kyle Bird, and uh, that uh, chuckle you heard a moment ago was uh, that emanated from my co-host. Matt Parmley. Yes. Um, and we have two of our very frequent uh, guests, our friends... Tom and Trev, greetings, everybody. Hello. We're what, going uh, ape. Are... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, here we are. Uh, it, isn't tonk, it? Tonk. Can you believe it's been tonk. almost two years since the four of us got together and talked about king of the monsters yes i can yeah i I mean or or maybe no i can't because it feels like it's been a decade that's true um so yes godzilla versus kong is out it's finally it's finally out it's finally done (laughs) um discs what? That it it exists. We finally know that it, it exists yes. for real. Yeah. <laughs> so can, before we go any further, can I just make like a plea then to the entire um, Godzilla, King Kong, Kaiju fandom? You can, um, but it, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Well, I'll see. Okay, well, I'll just try this, right? So here's, I'm making a plea to Do the entire fandom. Yeah. The movie is now out. It's, you know, it's out. It's We've all seen it. It's, it's done. It's over with. <laughs> Can we please never again share the Godzilla versus Kong save Mothra meme? Oh my god, I know. In <laughs> um in the Godzilla chat that like the chat of like us and like a bunch of like our Godzilla friends that we we have to spare you from the suffering. Uh it's like a running joke now that every time I pass it in my feed, I send it to that thread. <laughs> but yes, no. I, I we were ready for that to be done and jeez, how long ago? <laughs> yeah, like I, like I said we had one of those today. Somebody recreated the meme today from footage from the from the oh, new movie. Oh, great. <laughs> yes, but please stop it, guys. <laughs> for the love of God. Um I guess I'll take that over, like, the Godzilla Mothra shipping that Michael Doherty was encouraging for, like, a whole year. Can we instead, can we encourage the meme of Kong uh, jumping off the ship as, like, um, it's as like a, a rock DJ. concert? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that was, was a, best. that was a good one. Has anybody photoshopped that into the actual scene from Die Hard yet? Oh no, no, but oh, that'd uh, be good too. I did yeah, see Wingard true. say that was a direct Oh, yeah, he's got there's, yeah. Th- yeah, there's also a definite lethal weapon too, uh homage. Oh, there, I so. I love yeah. that one. I I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. <laughs> so Godzilla vs. Kong, it's finally here. Um directed by Adam Wingard. Um so yeah, it's been about 6 years since they announced this. Um, and I, I think, uh, I, we've talked about it before, but yeah, when Legendary's original contract with Warner Brothers ended, they went to Universal, 
But they were, but they were still doing Godzilla with Warner Brothers, and Thomas Tull was like, "Oh, Universal, huh? You got that? Uh, what do you got over there? You got that King Kong over there, huh?" And they're like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, what if I did? What if I did this?" And uh, I think Universal were pretty cool with it. They were like, "Yeah, whatever." But Warner Brothers were like, "Whoa, we don't want you like mentioning our stuff in their stuff." And then Universal was just like, "Just take it over there. We don't care." <laughs> we pay us, you know, pay us our licensing fee and, and get out of here. And then Thomas Tull went and was like, oh, hey, this is all happening. And then, like, a year later, he, like, sold the company and, like, became a farmer or something. <laughs> and Legendary was sold to Wanda, the Chinese conglomerate, and uh, their filmography hasn't been the same since, I'll say that. Um, but, yeah, this was... Uh, uh, like I said, directed by Eric Pearson, or Adam Wingard, written, <laughs> written by Eric Pearson, who uh, I guess is a Marvel go-to guy. Like, I guess he he does a lot of uncredited polishing on their stuff, like Endgame, Ragnarok, uh, a whole bunch of Marvel movies. He has, like, uncredited script work. Uh, Max Borenstein, who I Borenstein, <laughs> where, right? Where did it? Where, it's like this guy just like materialized and just and only wrote MonsterVerse stuff and like like I can't like there's no record of him existing for anything else. It, like I don't know where how this guy just he he literally just came out of nowhere. I know. I'm worried that now that if this series is done, that he just like evaporated. Yeah, like did, did he, like since 2014, like did he have a family? Did he settle down See, somewhere? Like, my my work is done. <laughs> just ascend into the heavens. And then oh, uh, yeah. And then it's like the Simpsons joke where uh, Leonard Nimoy is like, "My work is done," and mm-hmm. and we're sitting here like, "You didn't do anything." <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough of picking on 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 this poor guy. He's he's probably a nice guy. Uh, we have story credits from Michael Doherty and his regular writing partner, Zach Shields, and also Terry Rossio, who wrote the 94 Godzilla that didn't get made, and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and he led a writer's room. So, uh, yeah, and this this was originally going to come out in March of 2020. Then it was pushed to November of 2020. And because of COVID, then it was pushed to March of 2021, which is where we are. Um, and um, it got pushed like around like three other times too. It it feels like it was pushed around every every week. Um, but Adam Wingard uh, uh, is the director, and um, like a lot of people that. Um, we we've kind of seen blow up, you know, Sam Raimi, Peter Jackson, James Gunn. He started making tiny, low budget horror films, and uh, I think people that have been familiar with me and Trev for a long time, you know, people that go all the way back with us to "If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It," our, our podcast. I, I think might know a little bit of this, and I know we've talked. Uh, we we've definitely talked about this on here when we did our Death Note episode but i mean way more people are going to be listening to this than <laughs> when we talk about death note <laughs> yeah so um uh but no the trev ha- and i especially trev kind of have a really interesting history with this director um 
starting with with when Trev showed me his first film. Um, but yeah, I'll let, I'll let Trev give kind of a little uh, condensed Adam Wingard one-on-one, which is another reason I'm glad that he's here, because this is like, you know, a guy that we've been watching for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, Adam Wingard's a really interesting case because he's kind of um, he's kind of unique in today's movie sphere in that he's kind of representative of the way we always say we want to see this happen and doesn't happen as often anymore. Where he's really worked his way up to this point. You know, we've all talked about. I know Jelly uh, Bird and oh, uh, Tom. For those who don't know that, that's Jelly. But I know the three of us have talked about how we kind of hate how the norm now is for somebody to make like one small indie and then just like get instantly plucked into a giant blockbuster. And usually see, that goes terrible. Yeah. And we it, see that a yeah. lot with like, not just Marvel, but even here, like Gareth Edwards, Jordan vote Roberts, like yeah, they, they were like, go indie, very well. Yeah. You throw them into that, that, you know, those waters and they don't <clears throat> uh, respond very well to it. And we've seen a lot of directors kind of collapse and it really, you know, it, it hurts their career for a while until they can kind of get back on track. You know, you, th- you look at people yeah. like Josh Trank and like that, but no, Adam Wingard has like worked his way up to this over time. And, and yeah, my history of the Wingard, it's, it is interesting for me to see him at this point. Cause uh, I am as about a old school of a Wingard fan as you can get um, in that. I discovered him with his very first film um, as Bert alluded to in 2007, he made a, a very small budget, uh, just weird, strange, surreal um, slasher demon film called Homesick, which I bought on DVD at the time. Not because I obviously I didn't know who he was, but I'm a huge fan of the Scream Queen Tiffany Sheppis, and she was in that. She had she was like uh, build above the title. Bill Mosley was in it, who I'm a fan of. So I bought that and watched it. I was like, what the hell is this? It was just so bizarre, but in a really entertaining way. And I brought it over to Bird and showed it to him, and we were both kind of fascinated by it. And then a couple years later, he did uh, A Horrible Way to Die, which uh, was this you know kind of mumblecore serial killer romance tale, which I was also really taken with. I, I know I liked that one like a little bit more than Bird, but I know I think Bird liked that as well. Yeah, yeah, I like. Um, he just he did some other stuff in there, like he did you know this small this small film called Pop Skull that I, I, I we weren't super impressed by, but it definitely had its fans. And uh, you know he just kept working his way up. And then in 2011, he did um, You're Next, which is this fantastic home invasion movie that. Like was a huge festival hit. Then it kind of got screwed around in the you know sitting on the shelf for a long time with Lionsgate, and eventually getting out into the world. And I believe 2013, 2014, he delivers The Guest, which was my favorite film of that year. Um, if you haven't seen The Guest, definitely check it out. Then you know he he just keeps working his way up. His next film was Blair Witch, and so now you see him taking on like a pretty big franchise, right? But that one, you know. Didn't go over super well. Then he goes on to 2017 and they give him Death Note, as you know, we did a whole episode about that. And again, I'd say the reaction to that was mixed at best. But still, uh, that from there, you know, I th- ultimately all that matters is it doesn't matter how much the critics or the fans liked it. It's was it successful. And I think Death Note did pretty good numbers for Netflix. And I think the other thing that helped him all this time is through all this from like, you know, homesick all the way to Death Note. You never really heard a bad thing about this guy. Uh, the the word on the street has always been this is a really great guy to work with. People seem to love him. Um, he's very comes across very affable, very friendly, and he just kind of kept plugging away and finally gets the nod to come in and do uh, this giant franchise film here with Godzilla versus Kong. And now we see in the aftermath, you know, he's he's right now he's attached to Face Off Two and Thundercats. It's mm-hmm. it's really cool to see someone who made this again. I can't. I can't overstate how <laughs> amateurish, but just how strange Homesick is. And to think of th- that we watched that back in 2008, and we're just like, what is this? And now to think that I remember, he's directing a movie of yeah. like Bird's favorite movie franchise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I, rem- I even remember, because I think there was a few years between, you know, Homesick and, you know, there was a little bit of time before, I think, Horrible Way to Die. And I, I even remember, like, 
it kind of became like kind of an inside joke where just because homesick was so weird and so like bonkers like just like as a joke when like a big movie or something was announced we'd be like what if they get the homesick guy yeah you know like we and we used to just refer to him as the homesick guy and homesick is definitely it it defies description and i know wingard now he looks at it as like almost like a student film i was listening to him on mick garris's podcast earlier and he was like yeah my first movie homesick like it was a disaster uh you know i didn't know what i was doing but it is like if you just like really gonzo nutty horror movies like i I would recommend it like it's it's, it's it is it is he's right it is a disaster but it's like it's entertaining all the way through no yeah i mean it's one of those movies that just keeps escalating weirdness like at the beginning you got bill mosley coming in with the suitcase full of razor blades mr suitcase yeah you got tiffany shepis rolling around in her mom's guts and blood uh, by the time you get to Tom Towles at the end as a crazy chili cook that's, like, keeping a monster in his house, you're just like, okay, <laughs> this movie's just gonna do whatever it wants. <laughs> yeah, you just have to throw your arms up and just go, like, okay, do it, do your best movie, or do your worst, I guess, but yeah. And then, uh, but to be uh, fair, like, even on the even on the audio commentary on the DVD, like, Wingard is already, like, making fun of the film. So, like, he never had, like, any high, like, pretensions about it or anything, you know? And, and yeah, I, uh... And that was that was picked up by Don May at Synapse, who's like my he Trev's like my one degree between me and him because Trev like knows him really well, and um, yeah, when Don we, actually helped uh, Adam produce that movie. Yeah, that yeah, was, and I, I remember we, we interviewed Don for If It Bleeds, and like I think that was around the time this movie Godzilla vs Kong was announced, and you know he he was talking about him like a proud dad, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but yeah, no, well, homesick he, like, is nuts. I don't know, he, he really, Wingard really did, like, like you said, he worked his way up, and, like, it's, you don't, you don't get, I don't know, it, it's a weird thing if you don't get guys who work their way up like this anymore, right? Where, like, I, I mean, I haven't seen Homesick, and I haven't seen Horrible Way to Die, but, like, you know, he kind of cuts his teeth, and he, and he fumbles, and he makes mistakes, and he learns from them until he kind of perfects that that indie i won't say indie formula right because i'm sure there's there's not like and there's not even a formula between like your next and the guest but you know until he really learns how to make a movie in in that sort of world right where yeah. your next and the guest are both like like groundbreaking c- kind of indie type of movies right and and then he goes on to blair witch which it's a bigger franchise but at the same time it's not a big budget, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's definitely had more visibility than I think anything he had done before, but like, you know, he kind of gets to cut his teeth on a franchise, but one that, you know, isn't going to like make or break the tent pole of an entire studio. Um, and even, even death note, like, again, that's another franchise and that's a big high visibility thing, but it's for Netflix. It's not for, you know, universal to be their summer blockbuster or whatever and then he gets to kind of cut his teeth working in the studio system that way a little bit and then he you know now he gets to come to to this having kind of learned from a couple of past mistakes and you really don't see that anymore you see like a guy yeah does one successful indie gets plucked into the the big big blockbuster world and if he's lucky he gets to like work for someone like like Marvel and Kevin Feige who can like 
really guide them and 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 help them you know be successful and if he's not lucky he gets thrown to the wolves at like dc or star wars or something and well, like look look what happened flat to... on, or fox which i mean <laughs> fox doesn't exist anymore but like falls flat on his face yeah and then well, everyone says that that guy sucks well yeah I, I think there's some truth to what trev was saying earlier about how a lot of the time it's people that like they can hire and kind of push in the directions they want a little easier. Um, and sometimes, like, that'll burn a guy out. Like, look what Rogue One did to Gareth Edwards. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that experience, like, broke him. <laughs> you know? Um, you talk about people who just went, you said Thomas Tall just went farming. I I don't know what Gareth Edwards does these days. Like, <laughs> Well, it, it, it has been cool to see the four MonsterVerse directors doing, like, a lot of events and press and stuff together. So I've seen like he's he's been doing that, but yeah, I don't I don't know what he's doing, you know, creatively. Um But yeah, I mean, uh I I remember when Death Note came out, which I, I none of us liked, and I don't know if any I don't know if I know anyone that liked it, but um there's going to be I I think there's some overlap between anime fans and Death Note fans and Godzilla fans. Um but you know, all these people were like, "Oh, well, why can't they have bring Doherty back?" Or which, we'll, no, yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we're not going to get into Doherty. But but um, you know that. But that whole time, I remember thinking, like, if you actually look at like these guys' career trajectories, Wingard's probably more equipped to navigate something like this because he's he's made way more movies and yeah and even like death note i mean i i i don't remember like everything we said about it but i know none of us liked it but i would say both i didn't i was not a fan of blair witch or death note but i didn't walk away from either of those like oh i'm done with wingard you know it never mm-hmm. felt like the problem was necessarily him as much as like blair witch it just felt like uh, okay he did his thing in that franchise that i know he loves and that's the thing that's, you know it's kind of cool that wingard get, keeps to get, get gets to keep playing with these like franchises that actually mean so much to him like he wanted to do blair witch because blair witch project was like a film that super inspired him so he did his take on it it was just kind of like eh, all right maybe we don't need a modern version of that and then death note just kind of felt like this isn't necessarily poorly directed as much as it is. Maybe it's just there's no point to an American cultural adaptation of Death Note. You know, so he kept coming away kind of unscathed, I think, from even his failures to a certain degree. For the record, I like Death Note. And, or not Death Note. What? Oh, my God. I like Are you okay? Blair Witch. I think I think Blair Witch is fun. Granted, I've only seen it the once in theaters. I, I liked it. I had fun with it. And I walked out and okay. Yeah, I should um, say I didn't. I didn't hate it. I just feel like it's not that great. I think it's the yeah. end is not very strong. And then, and then, and then, like you said, Death Note. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe removed from Japanese culture, it's not that good. And also, like, I don't know, trying to condense all of Death Note mm-hmm. into two hours. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, to do. it wasn't even two hours, was it? Yeah, I don't know, know forty-five probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That I mean, the the original like duology of of what i consider death note movies is like four and a half hours long <laughs> and i mean the one thing like as, that film's not great but in terms of like his creative choices like the best creative choice that movie is probably having like keith stanfield play l and so it's like even in a failure he's making interesting creative choices um and trev also wrote an article about homesick that he shared which yeah that that shows you how much like how far back the that like my attachment to Wingard goes that I used to be Facebook friends with him yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah and he, he shared your article and which I'm going to bring like, back I, around in probably a very predictable way cuz I want to have a quote yeah. and ask you a question and I'm sure you already know what 
what it's going to be. Um, uh, interestingly, Wingard also revealed that uh, Peter Jackson had approached him to do a Kong movie. Um, he says a sequel to Peter Jackson's Kong, but I wonder if he means a prequel, because he says that it was in kind of a... They were kind of talking at Universal about doing a Kong film, and I know that they were gonna... They were thinking about doing some kind of prequel, um, and uh, once Thomas Tull got there and came in with his with the, his plan, it it turned into the Skull Island we know, but I wonder yeah, I was, if it was the same project. I was going to say, wasn't wasn't sort of kind of the 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 genesis of Skull Island? Isn't there a, like a graphic novel or something that's called Kong King of Skull that Island? That is that that is a sequel to Kong Thirty Three. That is a novel that the author actually tried to sue Legendary, um, but I don't think that went anywhere. Now wait, okay. if this if now Bert, if you think this was supposed to be a prequel, please tell me it was going to be a movie about Jimmy. Where we finally going to get Jimmy's backstory? Yeah, where he we finally get to see when he's discovered and he's the yeah. rabid animal or whatever. Yeah, he's just like he's like the feral kid from uh, the Road Warrior. <laughs> but I yeah, I wonder cuz I remember Jordan Vote Roberts, he was saying that um after Tall had come in with Legendary about Kong when they brought him in for pitches they were tell asking him what he would want to do for a prequel and he was like i'm not interested in that at all like we should think of something else and that's how it morphed into the skull island that we have so it sounds like the uh wingard was probably attached um or in talks before legendary came in and proposed a monster verse thing um but that was that was an interesting bit of trivia i guess um uh, it sounds like, speaking of trivia, it sounds like we're going to have a, uh, some notes and stuff to say about, um, I guess, the process that this movie went through. And I know we probably want to talk about box office and pandemic intake and critic response and what the future is looking like. So we should probably just get right into... Wait, can I say one last thing about Wingard? Because yes. I know you'll appreciate this too. Just I want like If we're going to give him all his props right now, as, as horror fans, we also have to thank him because I, th- I believe you know this, Bird, but without him, we wouldn't have this entire like Barbara Crampton. Yeah, picture. yeah. He, like, he, he brought her out of retirement. Yeah, your next now brought she, Bra- yeah. Barbara Crampton out of retirement. And she's done a lot of cool stuff since then, too. Yeah, she's become like the queen of horror since then, and that's just because he was like, I wonder what would happened to her, and he decided to like call her up and see if she would come and be in the film. She's yeah. like, I don't know, I think I'm done acting. He talked her into it, and now she's back in a big way. So I will say, I, I, I wish this movie had some of those guys in here. You know, I, The but, fact that AJ Bowen's not in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is a, a travesty. It's almost but. baffling, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, like I said, there's a lot of stuff we probably want to talk about after we give our reviews, so I think it's best now to just kind of dig into the movie um and obviously this is this is spoiler heavy so i mean the movie's streaming so pause it go watch it if you're vaccinated go to the theater check it out um on the biggest screen you can find and come back um but yeah no no need to beat around the bush here guys i mean we're i say we just go full full and straight spoiler territory um, so I will elect, um, doing kind of a roulette in my head, 
I'll elect Tom to give us uh, a plot synopsis. I figured that, that's usually the way it goes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me so, doing uh, it. I know no one wants me doing it. No. <laughs> so the the movie, uh, you you wouldn't know it <laughs> just to, just to watch it. Um, except there is one line of dialogue, uh, maybe towards the end that says 10 years ago. Right? Yeah, so the this movie is five, five years, years after, yep, yep. After King of the Monsters. Um, we open on Kong somewhere on Skull Island. He's taking a nice little nap. He wakes up, scratches his butt, um, and uh, picks up a tree and and cleans the brush branches off. I thought it was going to be something like he's going to use it like a toothpick or you know whatever. Um, and instead, he hucks it up into the sky and blows a hole in the roof. Surprise, surprise. He is in a containment facility. The The weather is being stabilized and simulated for him. And, uh, you know, Kong is being being held uh, kind of prisoner, basically. And, you know, then we get to uh, we learn a little bit about why. Um, and it's basically Godzilla is on the hunt for Alpha Titans and uh, he he would not allow Kong to kind of exist, right? If if Godzilla got the scent of Kong, he would would go right after Kong and and try to kill Kong, and there'd be a huge fight between them. You forgot um, to mention all the Skull Islanders are dead because uh, they of a storm. Didn't have a the, storm. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have the budget for all the extras. <laughs> Yes, and and also Kong has befriended a one of the Iwi. Um, the only yep. remaining one is a little girl who has sort of been taken in by uh, Rebecca Hall's character, um, and the little girl is deaf. I'm not sure if I just mentioned that, but um, yeah, he is. He's got sort of a bond and relationship with this with this little girl, and uh, um, some cool stuff done with that. We could talk about when when we get to our thoughts on it, but. Um, you know, then uh, then we get our opening credits and we go to uh, our one of our kind of more main characters, uh, Bernie, who is a, a podcaster for Titan Truth. I think it's just called Titan Truth Podcast, right? TTP or something like that. And he is trying to blow the lid open on Apex Cybernetics, which is a cybernetics company, a robot company, robotics company that's um, doing something shady he is convinced and you know no one knows what but if you've seen a preview for this movie you've probably already pieced it together or if you have an idea of you know how robots and Godzilla work together you probably already know but um, yeah he's trying to, to unveil the secret of what's happening when Godzilla attacks uh, the Pensacola facility where he's he's kind of trying to do more of his his uh, subterfuge uh he works for apex he's one of their engineers and he's trying to steal their their cargo manifests and things like that yeah um, can I just briefly i, I want to just briefly call out apex not far be it for me to criticize a company's security measures <laughs> but they have an employee of theirs he's been undercover there for months putting out apparently a weekly podcast <laughs> talking about how he's <laughs> undercover um trying to expose this company I mean, you'd think they would catch on at some point but maybe they know and they don't care <laughs> People recognize Bird at G Fest by his voice, and, and Bernie has a very like 
Yeah, yeah. Recognizable Pe- people recognize well. me. People recognize me more than they recognize this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so once uh, once Godzilla attacks, now everyone is convinced immediately that that Godzilla has turned. He's he's no longer a hero. He's no longer a savior. He is now uh, a destroyer, and um, f- and uh, they're gonna you know. The, the plan then is the the CEO of Apex Cybernetics approaches um, a man named Doctor Lind, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Nathan Lind. To to go to the Hollow Earth because yes, the Hollow Earth exists, as we know from the previous couple movies, to find an energy source there, which they believe is sort of the the energy source that kind of birthed and powered. All Titans, um, you know, they they specifically have detected its energy traces on Godzilla. Um, so there's some sort of power in the center of the Earth that that is basically what kind of gave Godzilla his immense power that he has, and they want to harness that so that they can create a weapon to stop Godzilla from destroying people. Um, he's like, no, I don't want to, and they're like, well, please, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I have an idea, and his idea is to go get King Kong off of Skull Island and take him to the Hollow Earth. The idea there being that Kong will have some sort of a a homing beacon, basically genetically imprinted on his DNA, like a homing pigeon or salmon or you know other kinds of birds and things, uh, lizards and sea turtles and stuff that that sort of instinctively know where to go when they when they need to spawn or when they are introduced into certain environments they can kind of always find their way back home so that's the plan but it obviously of course necessitates taking kong out into the open which they do on a boat and surprise surprise godzilla attacks the boat um meanwhile um Madison, Millie Bobby Brown, is list is a Titan Truth podcast listener, devotee. She tracks down Bernie, and they decide to break in. Uh, as they as they say, they decide to break in to, to the wreckage of Cy- of Apex Cybernetics. Break in really means more like just walk right in, um, and you know figure out what is going on there. Really, just means walk right through their nefarious uh their whatever apex is doing which has something to do with skull crawler eggs and they are then closed up inside of this um i don't know this this capsule and fired off down a tunnel towards hong kong with (laughs) a bunch of skull crawler eggs if you thought it was impressive Uh, that batman and batman forever had that one that takes them from uh wayne manor to gotham this one takes you from Florida to Hong Kong. <laughs> um, and then, you know, back with back over with Kong, um, after Godzilla had attacked and uh, basically beaten Kong because they're out in the ocean and, you know, Kong obviously does not have the advantage in the water. Um, Kong sort of manages to, to lay on a boat and like not drown 
and all the boats turn off and play dead and Godzilla swims away thinking he's won. Uh, and they now then aerial lift Kong to Antarctica. Um, the little girl convinces him to go into the, the hollow earth uh, inside which humans follow. And the reasons the reason why humans couldn't just go to the hollow earth and explore just in general is um, a mission had been tried before and there's a gravity inversion that happens like right at the point where you enter the hollow earth where basically the earth's gravity flips around on you while the hollow earth gravity also pulls on you and it like manages to basically crush you in an instant. Um, So they get these specialty science fiction vehicles called heaves hollow earth something vehicle it's the hollow earth something vehicle i'm thinking Uh, maybe aerial maybe since they fly it might be yeah um and they they follow kong into the hollow earth uh inside the hollow earth kong you know fights a couple monsters and his like homing beacon that's genetically imprinted on him or whatever kind of kicks up and he goes towards this massive cathedral i'll call it uh, he finds a, a a big old axe in there, and they're like, "Oh my God, look! There, there's you know proof that these things were here and had some sort of a civilization or something." And um, you know, then Kong places the axe in this little axe cutout hole that exists, uh, and it kicks off some sort of a reaction of some kind that activates this energy source that everyone's been looking for inside the hollow earth. Um, the, the CEO guy of, of apex catches a sample and he uses it to power up. You, you guessed it. Mecha Godzilla. Um, that's, that's his end game is to po- use this energy source to, to create a power source strong enough to power up, Mecha Godzilla for extended run times so that they can kill any Titans that attack specifically Godzilla. Um, so that's also what's been driving Godzilla crazy is that there's this Mecha Godzilla, which bonus is piloted by um, the bones and brain of Ghidra from the previous movie. Let's uh, let's let's put aside how there's still two skulls remaining for a second. Um, I'm like rubbing my eyebrows now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're almost done. <laughs> I am. I am. We'll get so, there. Uh, but, but also inside the hollow earth, activating this energy source has also really pissed off Godzilla. So he goes to Hong Kong, blows his fire straight into the ground and blows a hole into the hollow earth from out of which Kong climbs in about 10 seconds. <laughs> and, uh, the epic rematch ensues with you know more even footing. Kong now has an axe and it's on land, not in the water. And um, yeah, spoilies. Godzilla kicks the ever loving shit out of him ultimately. And then uh, as Kong lays on the brink of death, Mecha Godzilla appears, and Godzilla must do battle with Mecha Godzilla, but is getting his ass kicked. So. We have to try to figure out how to save Kong, which takes them about two seconds to figure out. But we have to save Kong so he can help Godzilla to fight Mechagodzilla. Super easy, barely an inconvenience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's 
that's Godzilla vs. Kong. I guess, um, like I said, we we want to get to some other stuff. So I think we'll get into kind of initial uh, impressions, um, kind of going around the room. I think I think we'll do Matt first, then we'll do Tom, then Trev, because he's a wild card on this. He's, yeah, you guys don't know. He's been know. very quiet, suspiciously <laughs> quiet. I, I told them I, I actually refused to tell them what I felt until we recorded. Um, so I think I want to. I think I want to do Matt, then Tom, then Trev, then me, and then we'll we'll kind of hash out, you know, our pros and cons after that. So just general <laughs> takeaways. You know, movie just ended. Your general thoughts and impressions, Matt. Um, take it away, my friend. I absolutely loved it. It, it, It's blissfully self-aware of how dumb it is. It leans into it super hard. If everything Tom said, you were like, this is stupid. This is even more stupid. This is somehow even more like, yes, all of those things are true. And I loved every second of it. Um, I really like the battle scenes are excellent. You're there for the monsters. Wingard has gone on record multiple times in all the interviews that I listened to where he basically says, yeah, like the humans exist and they're very loose, paper thin connective tissue between the next monster sequence. That was the intent of the film. Uh, It's aimed purposely made for kids like it very clearly knows its audience. And I think on all of those things, it knocks it out of the out of the park. Are there problems with it? Absolutely. Like, you know, the whole Godzilla blowing a hole through the earth in three seconds uh, to the middle of the earth in three seconds and Kong, climb, you know, coming out of it 30 <laughs> seconds later. That's like, like yeah, Looney okay, Tunes. So, <laughs> so stupid. And yet, like, I was, honestly, I was captivated from start to finish. And I realized this is probably me just being an uh, idiot Godzilla fan. It and is. I'm willing to concede that, <laughs> but I loved it. So okay. Those are my, yeah. All right, Tom. <laughs> let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not too far off of Matt, right? I mean, the movie, ju- you know, like Bird said, the movie just ended. Wow, that was a blast, right? Like, I mean, especially uh, the the runtime of the movie is stated as an hour 53, but there's a solid, like, 11 minutes of yeah, credits the at credits the end of this movie. <laughs> so the movie is an hour, like an hour 40, hour 45, Um and that's like my wheelhouse for enjoying a movie. I actually, you know, we'll we'll talk about it a little later. I think there's some ways they could have cut maybe another five to ten minutes out of this, and and even more successfully, honestly, gone for that whole humans don't matter. The monsters are they're just the connective tissue. Honestly, I mean, I mean, there's just a, a piece with the Millie Bobby Brown stuff that they really. I mean, if 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 Apex had fucking security cameras, they could have just. <laughs> Uh, caught them in like the first time they try to break in and gotten exactly where they are at the end of the movie a whole lot sooner. Um, but uh, no, the when when the movie was over, I had so much fun with it. Uh, there's definitely a lot of stuff in it that's really stupid. Some of it I was able to totally roll with as like, yep, this is stupid, but this is totally what I'm here for. I'm here for stupid. I'm here for fun. Uh, Matt, I think you made a really good point about how it's like for kids. When I watch King of the Monsters with with my kids, there were times where I was like, oh, God, this is like I'm here with a four-year-old and a five-year-old, and this is like tenuously barely for them. This is for like, you know, 
tween edge lords who <laughs> are gonna squeal when they hear fuck in a Godzilla movie and uh, Wingard wisely eschews all of that kind of nonsense and just makes it for kids and I think that's like a really smart decision <laughs> I, um, I, not, I, I don't mean I'll just to cut you off super quick I, I do want to point out that in kind of like I didn't want to spoil the movie so I kind of waited till today to go through interviews and stuff but so far he's the only one of these MonsterVerse directors that has specifically come out and said, I want to make a, a kid's movie. Not, like, I want this to be a kid's movie. Like, everyone else has been, like, had some kind of pretense about, well, it's. I also want to say something about how little we are in the world, or, you know, Doherty's like, yeah, you know, the nuclear fallout is fantastic, whatever, you know? <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's always some kind of, like, pretense to it, and... It was a little refreshing to see Wingard just say, I wanted to make a kid's monster movie. The end. Um, yeah. Anyway, continue, Tom. I'm sorry. I didn't and to- and yeah, some of the some of the stupidity I, I really like, I, I did roll my eyes at. And, and, you know, I mean, there's the a scene with a satellite that uh, I think may end up becoming infamous. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I had a I had a really great time with it, uh, you know, uh in some cases because of its flaws in some cases in spite of them and i I just think it was a lot of fun okay trev the it's time to break your silence um well so bird invited me on this i'm pretty sure for two reasons one was that i could speak to wingard and he needed, you know, you needed a voice to dissent, right? Uh, I've been um, very... Someone to balance us. Nature has an balance. order. And <clears throat> I've been very <laughs> down on this franchise. You know, I did not, I don't really like the previous three. I think, uh, I like, to this, at this point, Godzilla 2014 is like a two and a half out of five for me now. And I put both Skull Island and, and King of the Monsters at just a three. And like a very like, eh, like I've really, I haven't watched either of them since like the theater. Uh and so I went into this one and, you know, Tom was guessing I was going to hate it. And, you know, I and started watching it. And I will say uh, this is easily the best MonsterVerse movie. And the first one I would say I, I enjoyed. Now, that comes with some caveats for sure. I'm probably not as fully blown away by it as you guys are. Um, I will say that for me, I'm, I'm going to bring up like more complaints maybe than the rest of you. But this is a movie that completely, completely won me over, especially in like the, the final third. I think the final third is everything I always wanted all four of these movies to be. Well, and you and, are, uh, for people that have listened to us since If It Bleeds, uh, you you are like, you're actually a big Mechagodzilla fan. Well, <laughs> but put a put a button on that because that's not what I... I got okay. On, okay. Um, <laughs> but, I, but no, just it, it is like... At first, a lot of the stupidity was kind of bothering me, and a lot of the issues I had with the other films still are issues in this film. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, Matt said the thing about Wingard saying that he thinks the human characters are just connective tissue, and I like that viewpoint. Except we still spend an awful lot of time with them for for something that's just supposed to be connective tissue, and I felt like in particular, any time we were with um, Brian Ty- Tyree Henry, Millie Bobby Brown, and Julian Dennison, the movie just kind of ground to a halt. I felt like that that whole subplot was just really not great. Well, the, um, the, compared to the Kong, well, I guess the Kong's plot, um, yeah. like it's really inconsequential to. It just everything. feels like they they still had Eleven under contract, right? And they're like, well, we still want her in the movie, you know. And it's like, I don't know, I, whatever. But to just get to my point, like I, I do think in the final third, the the right kind of stupidity starts winning out, 
And Wingard proves himself as the the, the ex- absolute best director for this series because this has the best action of all four of them by far to me. I think the final fight is awesome. Um, and yeah, then I just started, started kind of le- leaning into it a little bit more. So yeah, I came away from this one actually pretty positive and that surprised even me because I have not been excited about this. Mm-hmm. And I would say, uh, this was, this was one where I was like, finally, this is kind of what I was, what I've been waiting for. You know, like I said, I'll have some more to say about what didn't work, but yeah, I liked it. Um, I'm kind of, it, it feels like as far as MonsterVerse stuff goes, this is probably the most in sync the four of us have been. Um, I'm not quite as googly eyed as Matt. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of where Trev and Tom are and just thinking like, I just had a blast with it. Um, the first thing I thought, um, and I know Trev hasn't watched a lot of these, I mean, for good reason, but since this kind of new, since these kaiju movies, especially these Hollywood ones have been popping up, there's been a lot of them that do try to take that, well, we just want to be a dumb action movie, turn your brain off kind of thing. And, like, examples I'll say, like, Rampage, Pacific Rim Uprising, um, I would even say Monster Hunter, I would say Godzilla King of the Monsters. And, and I don't even know that I, if I can really put my finger on it, but this movie does stupid in a better way than those. Um... The, in, in this movie, it, it, it really chucked all of that. Trying to, have a mes- trying to have a message in a kaiju movie is not a problem, like, at all. I, I want to put that out there. I mean, there's a 54 Godzilla. I mean, recent stuff, like, you even look at something like Colossal. Like, if you're going to have a message and commit to it, like, do it. And I don't really think that we've gotten that out of these MonsterVerse movies so much. Um they always kind of felt like they were trying to have it both ways, especially King of the Monsters, where it's like, we have this thing we want to say about environmentalism, and and, in my opinion, uh, it's a pretty eco-fascist view (laughs) on display in that movie. But but regardless, they want to... It's like it can't make up its mind if it wants to be a Saturday morning cartoon or, like, a real movie. And this movie just kind of chucks that all out the window and says... We're going full-blown Saturday morning cartoon. And it does the stupid Saturday morning cartoon better than the other movies that that I mentioned. Um, That being said, there's definitely some really wonky decisions and gaffes (laughs) in the script. Um, But no, I had a blast. I I agree with Trev. The fight scenes are are great. Um, They're well-lit. I loved seeing the neon... Uh, of of Hong Kong, uh, like in these monsters, in the middle of it, and just just the way that the they fought was was a lot of fun. I I liked I liked you know uh, Kong bouncing off buildings to dodge Godzilla. I liked Mecha Godzilla basically doing like almost like something out of like a slapstick comedy like three stooges with godzilla where he's like ramming his head into one thing and then he's like (laughs) ramming his head into another thing uh and yeah i just i I just thought it was a lot of fun it's not a movie there's a a clarity to the action too that is just like so refreshing yeah it's it's not it's not obscured by it's not super dark at night like 2014 it's not obscured in all this rain and dust like king of the monsters mm-hmm. it's not hectic editing it's just it's yeah all it, very it, it, it takes a lot and yeah with that stuff i think it takes a lot of what skull island did right 
and and puts it um in in this movie um but yeah i mean i is it, it i don't know that it would be a movie that i would say oh this is really like this is a good movie you should show it to your whole family i but i would say like for fans I like it the same way I li- like a lot of, like, you know, silly B-movies or whatever. I, but I'm not going to, by any means, sit here and pretend I didn't have a good time or that it's not something I'm going to watch again. And um, I'm I'm happy with it. I, I think it, 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 and especially with, it, it does justice to both Godzilla and Kong. Um, and This is the movie, I said this shortly after I think Bird and I finished watching it, or Matt was probably because Matt watched it first. So yeah, Matt was there too. This is the movie that everyone always tells me King of the Monsters is. Right. Yeah. 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 No, People always it, say, "Oh, it's just a fun movie. It's just campy. It's just ridiculous." And I'm like, "No, this is a, it's a movie that like thinks it's like a real movie. Like <laughs> it thinks it has a message, it thinks it has a valid message, and it's constantly trying to hide and obscure its action." in a way to try and make everything look as quote unquote good as possible, which makes it disorienting and, and confusing to look at. Um, when I wrought, when I rewatched King of the Monsters leading up to this, it was a, a, it was the first time I had watched it since it left theaters. Um, and I watched it like four times in theaters cause I'm an idiot, but, um, no, it was, it was the first time I had watched it since I had left theaters. And like during one of the battle scenes, I, you know, looked away for a second. I mean, it was literally like I, I looked at my phone for like a second or I might've honest to God sneezed. And when I looked back at the screen, I had no idea what the hell I was looking at for, for a couple of, it took my brain a couple seconds to reorient. And I feel like with this movie, um, when I watched it, I watched it with my kids and, you know, when, uh, when one of them is, is jumping and, and almost hitting the other one in the face and you got to stop them so that, you know, you don't have like, uh, an, an injury on your hands, you could look away from the screen for a second and look back and still know what the hell you were looking at. Well, I, I wanted to make, I actually wanted to make that point. Cause I thought I, I had this, I was thinking of this where, um, we were talking before it came out about how many times we'll all probably watch it this week. I was kind of making fun of you guys saying, I guess you guys would watch it like a hundred times. And, uh, and you had said that, well, I probably have to watch it twice cause I want to watch it with my kids and then they're going to be like talking and yelling during it. And I came away from this thinking you can like watch this movie with a theater full of 85 screaming kids and not miss anything. And I mean that in like the good way. Like this I th- is a movie honestly, kinda, I think it's kind of designed to be shown in that. Yeah. Kind of I, I was going to say right? that like, sounds like what they were going for. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not a movie you have to be paying a lot of attention to. And in fact, if you pay very close attention to it, you are going to get pretty nitpicky, as I'm sure we will in a moment. But when it just when it really like buckles down and says, let's just be stupid and let's just concentrate on the action, it gets going in a way the other ones do not. Yeah. Another thing that I want to say that I can't, I thought almost immediately, and I want to get this out of the way, because like, at least for me, as, as like a lifelong Godzilla fan, it's a really important one. Um whoever's idea it was to just chuck Godzilla's connection to radiation and all that, like, thank you. And the reason I say that is, well, first of all, if you look at the Japanese movies, like, especially the Showa series, like, Godzilla stopped, they barely mentioned Godzilla being radioactive after, like, 1960. Yeah, yeah, after Mothra, after, after, like, the 60s. 
And that works because you're able to, because as the movies were starting to get more geared towards children, they realized, like, okay, like, we, we can't always be worrying about all this fallout, all this, ra- like, we can't be worrying about this all the time, especially if we're going to have Godzilla as a hero. Um, so that shows that, like, yes, that original movie and what Godzilla ultimately represents as a cultural icon is always going to be tied back to the bomb. But certain kinds of movies, you don't need to really get into all that, like those Showa films. Um, and furthermore, I think anyone that knows how movies in Hollywood are, um, every, just like every studio, like every big movie has contracts with the military, with the U S military. So, um, the U S military basically gets final say on how they're represented, how the scenes play out, you know, in a movie like this, whether, yeah, I mean, they're getting killed and stuff, but they signed off on it, so they have control over that. And I'm not sure if this is the decision, but I, I think that Americans, because they're Americans and they didn't live through it, and probably also because of that military contract stuff that I said, I don't think that we are able to competently address the issue of nukes and radiation and what it means for Godzilla. And we see that in the 98 film where, you know, they're diverting the blame to the French. We see that um, in 2014 where the nuke is kind of passed along as a plot device and even at the very end a nuke blows up in the ocean. And we see that at its absolute ultimate worst in King of the Monsters where... Sarazawa literally uses a nuke to bring Godzilla back, and uh, we don't need to get into that, but A, I don't think it understands how nuclear blasts work, and B, just, and especially after hearing Doherty talk about it, he literally said he wanted his Sarazawa to correct the mistake of the 54 Sarazawa, who apparently it was a mistake to kill Godzilla, so... Combine that with the, yeah, like, their radiation makes things grow, and Doherty on the audio commentary saying, like, Chernobyl's a great place now. Like, we see that, no. <laughs> yeah, we, we see that at its worst in King of the Monsters, and, and I just, I don't think Americans can handle that with any kind of sensitivity, and I don't think they can handle it competently, and we've had three American Godzilla movies before this one that have shown that. So, whoever, whoever was like, you know what, let's just is a plot device, let's chuck this, because let's just make a kid's movie, you know? I, I really appreciated that, just as a fan that's been frustrated with how these American movies always acknowledge that element. Um, so, yeah, I, I just kind of wanted yeah. to get on my little soapbox for a minute and kind of air that no, out. That's, that's totally valid, because, I, I mean, that's that's what I was saying, too, when I, I told someone earlier, you know, I get my I get my final vaccination shot in a couple weeks, and um, when I do, I would love to give a hug to whoever uh, chucked all of the previous story elements from King of the Monsters into the garbage when writing this movie. Because <laughs> um, there's 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 so little that carries over. It's uh, the, these these movies have about as much continuity as the Showa Godzilla series. <laughs> Well, could have chucked, you... chucked Madison too. Probably. <laughs> okay, but... um, do I do I smell a segue here? 
Y- yeah, probably. <laughs> should, should we get into that? Because yeah, while, I mean, while, while we talked about the stuff that's chucked for good, there is some stuff that's very much like, what? <laughs> I, the, the, are we talking about characters now or just like the things that don't make any sense? Yeah, like the the biggest one from a continuity perspective, right? And and how this, you know, then barely holds as a as a sequel to the previous movie is uh that they very specifically mentioned that there is a Ghidorah skull inside of Mechagodzilla and there is one controlling Mechagodzilla. But uh, in the previous movie, we see every head except for the one that Charles Dance sells or buys, whatever. And I guess he um, sells. <laughs> I guess he then sells. Yeah. He does, yeah. Uh, but we see every every head except for that one get vaporized. So now there's two of them and nobody knows how. We, we've talked to like 10 different people who've seen this movie. And none of them can explain how there's two of two skulls now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's maybe one of the biggest continuity errors. I, I for me, I think one of the other ones, honestly, is like the previous two movies have shown that Godzilla only ever like attacks or destroys a human uh, facility or whatever when he's very specifically antagonized to do so. And, you know, he shows up in this, he destroys this apex cybernetics location. He doesn't destroy all of Pensacola, just this, just this one specific facility. And now everyone is convinced that, yep, Godzilla's the bad guy and he's attacking humanity. Um, and that's, you know, that's, we like are dumb enough to think that. People that's, think that's Asian fine. people started came here and started COVID. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just saying. I know. I just like that's one of those things. Like, that's fine if it's just in a in a random Godzilla movie. But like, when you're supposed to be a a, a verse and you're supposed to have continuity, like it, it just. I, I kind of have like I kind of have like the opposite complaint of that than than Tom because I felt the other way where like. You know, at the end of the movie, the the assumption is we don't know for sure because we don't like we do after the first apex attack, we get the CNN news break where there's a Chiron on the bottom that says Godzilla no, no longer Titan savior. And I wrote down, it points out eight dead, dozens injured. And I was like, wow, only eight dead. That's pretty good for considering the like how much you just demolished that place. But at the end, you know, once like everything's kind of solved and they figure out why Godzilla did that, he just kind of goes back into the ocean. I, I think the assumption is supposed to be. Oh, okay. Well, now humanity will just accept him as like their champion again. But I was, I was kind of thinking, uh, he still did come on shore and like destroy a facility and kill eight people at the beginning, and then th- I would imagine thousands in Hong Kong. <laughs> I don't know that you can just be like, well, he was having a temper tantrum because they were building a robo version of him. It's okay. That kind of you know, leads. I don't, I don't know that you forgive him for that. That kind of leads <laughs> me into something I was thinking, and it's like, is Apex really that bad? Like they're just trying to build a weapon that like. If one of these monsters goes berserk for whatever reason, it's intimidated by something or whatever, or if another, like, like King Ghidorah comes down, like, another space monster, like, yeah, we probably should have, like, a defense system. This is, it's, it's, this bas- is, this is- it's basically what G-Force was in the Heisei series and what G-Graspers and 
the the team Kiryu was basically what all those guys were doing was like, hey, we this should is probably things, have the, something. Yeah, this is one of the things I don't think the movie handles extremely well, and I wonder if it's one of the things that's a victim of perhaps things getting cut out because I, I kind of agree with you, Bert. I, I don't know that they come across that bad, and I think there's a moment near the end where they try to suddenly have the Apex guy, the Damien Bichel, Belcher, however you say his name, um, his character suddenly just becomes a villain, like on a turn, like, you know, he's suddenly giving like a mustache twirling villainous speech. And it's like, well, this, I don't want to say it came out of nowhere. Like you can, I'm, you always know it's heading there, but I feel like the movie, maybe there was a version of this that had more complexity to that character that was trying to make the point you're just making about him having a whole thing where he's like, look, how are we bad? But then again, like you said, because this movie is at its best when it leans into the stupidity, maybe it was good for them to not try and bring that complexity yeah, up because maybe yeah, it just would have been sloppy and yeah. Yeah. It's like, who knows but but yeah that's just something that struck me as odd because i was like what they're doing doesn't i get that like the godzilla was sensing it and that's bad but like godzilla godzilla freaking out like that just shows that like yeah there something could set him off and yeah i mean that's a that's a that's one of those ones that's like a it's kind of an inconsistency and it's kind of dumb or whatever, but it's one of those ones that I can kind of roll with a little bit more just because, like, A, it's that whole, like, Saturday morning kids, you know, this is a movie for kids. The bad guys are building a bad robot to kill Godzilla. Like, you know, um, that's that's a part of it. And then the other part of it is, like, there's there's ways to justify that they're bad guys. I mean, you know, if I say I'm building a nuclear weapon to, like, deter my neighbors from ever attacking me like you guys aren't gonna you know be like oh that's a good plan you know like just because you say you're building a giant frigging robot to fight back against monsters if monsters ever decide to attack you doesn't mean that's what you're going to do with it well and, um, and also I, like i i get it Ghidorah does take over mechagodzilla but like in tokyo sos like Godzilla takes over Kuryu, like, you know, it's... Well, it's, and that was kind of the other point I was going to make, is, yeah, it's just another one of those, like, humanity should be trusting in nature and trusting in Godzilla, and, you know, that's kind of a common theme, at least, that's in, the thing, in I, these like, movies. And, I, I agree with your point, Tom, but if, like, if you are that person you, you're talking about and you're bad because you're building this nuclear weapon, if my response is to retaliate by blowing up the facility where you're doing it and killing eight employees who maybe didn't know <laughs> what was going on, I'm not necessarily a hero either. You know, what? So. that's very American of Godzilla because we do that shit all the time down their countries. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> this is the most American Godzilla. Well, my only my only counter to all that is it's stated in the movie not well, and I think that is the issue. Like they're going to hunt down the monsters and kill them. Like that's their goal, and like it's very much a domination kind of thing. And they they also try to play up the villain, like the daughter. You know, she's at when they get to the the middle of the earth or whatever she's got the kids at, you know, she's got the kid at gunpoint because they're trying to basically uh, take the the energy source so like they do it it's just not well and it could have been fleshed out yeah um, I, I think the ultimate point was like oh humans are ignorant enough to think that they can dominate these yeah. these big creatures in nature but but yeah we we never really it's definitely it's not done in a way that like leans into it enough for you to, to know that he's like this evil, sinister guy. Right, right, yeah. 
yeah. yeah, it all feels like it all feels like it probably is a victim of like things getting edited edited down. Like yeah. I was telling you guys before we started recording that um, Eliza, what's her name? I's, how do you say her Aza, name? Aza Gonzalez. Aza Gonzalez. Yeah, as, as Maya Simmons, who's the daughter of the Apex chairman in this, uh, she doesn't need to be right. They have no scenes together. It's like it's so inconsequential that she's the daughter. When she dies, we never see him find that out. We never see him react to his daughter's <laughs> death right. in any way. Um, <laughs> so it like just doesn't even matter. And like even when they go down into Hollow Earth. They come to Nathan Lind and tell him, we want to find Hollow Earth because of this energy source. They know they're going to Hollow Earth for the energy source. They get there. The Gonzalez, my, the Isaac Gonzalez's character puts a little thing in the ground to pull out, like, what? Like, a cup worth of dirt to get some of that energy? <laughs> yeah. And Rebecca Hall is just like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why you can't do this? It's like, why? It's just a little bit of the energy. You knew that's what, and you knew that's what you're going there for. And again, I was just thinking... Is something missing here? Like, did they lie to them in like a longer cut or something? I don't know. It just felt really like, again. Yeah. There are definitely wonky things going on. Here. Yeah, I, I, I almost the the whole the well, edit. Also, they the edit the, the editing deserves like its own segment here. Um, so also, I mean, hey, listen, I I'm I admit I'm not I'm not like a I'm not a nuclear physicist. I'm not a particle physicist. I am uh, I'm not you know like. I don't I don't understand how various types of energy work necessarily but I don't think I'm not sure but I don't think you could take an analyzer of of any kind really and analyze the energy signature and pattern of a, of a energy source and just use that to automatically replicate it without a a sample, right? I mean, like you, I don't you know. Might be right, but you we're going to get right, like an but... email from a physicist explaining all this. <laughs> I mean, you might be right, but I'll I will, I will also say I also don't think that you can blow up an aerial craft on the chest of a giant monkey and bring it back to life. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get into I'm not going to get into science. The science. Well, so then, so then. Can we at least all agree that the one piece of science that is actually really stupid is I, I really don't think you can pour a drink on a computer and have it short out a satellite in outer space. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it came to that. That, was... that reminded me of the Simpsons well, okay. thing where the con- Homer's console is like, uh, like uh, the alarm goes off and he just pours the bucket, <laughs> the bucket over it. <laughs> yeah, no, that so was... They- silly and, and, and especially because show. like that really didn't have all that really did is kind of glitched mechagodzilla out a little bit to kind of buy him and kong some more time which like i don't know you could have done that almost anyway <laughs> besides that yeah they could have had they could have had strathairn make an appearance and he could have skyped in a bomb to blow up this <laughs> <satellite. laughs> right they made fun of like the kid hacker trope and then they did that which was like equally as dumb so yes, you're 100 percent right. 100%. It's like they wanted. It's like it's like they had to pay off those three characters in some way, right? Because they wasted so much time on those characters. And it's like they, they need to save the day in some way. So it's like their whole arc pays off in that they distract Mechagodzilla for roughly five seconds by pouring water on the satellites. Like that's it. Like we sat through all those three characters for that essentially because <laughs> you could remove them from this movie and it wouldn't really yeah. matter. Like, it, they don't, they they're, don't, they're, don't influence the storyline in any way. Yeah, they're they're basically exposition. Like like Brian Tyree Henry. Like the second. They walk into the the room that has uh, the Ghidorah skull. Like he instantly knows exactly what's going on. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <what? laughs> when, and again, you could have you could have just had them get 
kidnapped, not kidnapped, but get caught by the by Apex's security. Like the second they tried to set foot on the compound, they don't have security. Right? <laughs> I w- and just get and so- just get taken to the CEO. And like, yeah, it would still be exposition dump, and it would still not be like great screenwriting and everything. But it'd save all that, like you know going into the into the level 33 stuff and going into the the secret tunnel from from Florida to China um well from Florida Florida to Hong Kong like i mean you could cut all of that out and just have it be like oh they got arrested when they were trying to break into there and then the CEO is like here i'm evil and let me tell you my evil plan and is that a trope yes and is that cliche yes but like it also saves us 10, 15 minutes and, you know, then then the movie even more is is focused on the monsters, which, um, you know, the one thing that that I'll say we did none of us really said when we were kind of talking about more of our highlights and positives is like, I, I don't know how I feel about about how successful Wingard is totally with the monsters being the characters, but like Kong is a character in this. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think he's a really good one, actually. That kind of segues into. I mean, I was waiting. I was kind of biting my tongue on saying this because I was thinking more about just like why Madison doesn't work in this and like why the whole subplot doesn't really connect. And it's you know, so Madison in this movie is obviously like meant to be like the human surrogate for Godzilla, right? She's the one who keeps making his case, saying no, he's not bad. I'm sure he's just like he's having a bad day or something. You know, she's trying to like, figure <laughs> out like why this is happening and why when everyone else you know is like completely turned on him. And that's of course because she has the connection to Godzilla from the last film, so she's in there to remind us of like that movie and you know to have this through line and then they've given kong the little girl who's like his human connection and that's much better done and just in general you guys were saying how this movie does well by both characters i I will ask were you a little bit bothered by how little screen time godzilla has in this movie and how this is just way more of a kong movie and i I think that's what that's the thing with the madison thing right where she's like this byproduct she's like she can't be as like interesting because Kong or sorry, just Godzilla doesn't have much to do in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is a this is very much a Kong movie. No, and and that's a great question. For me, it didn't bother me just because that that approach is it's almost the only one that really makes sense because Kong because he's a he's an ape and we and like he 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 can build a relationship with a person. You know, he Godzilla doesn't have that. Godzilla. Even at even at Godzilla's most humanistic, you know, version is still very much a a beast that's like an aggressor. Um, so so yeah, it was kind of like this is a Kong movie, but Godzilla is like the shark in Jaws. Yeah, and, and let me like my my slight pushback on this, and this is where I probably am in the minority of like kaiju fans who will say this, but. I was thinking about this, and this comes from a discussion we were having in our thread the other day. We were talking about um, uh, Mickey, Mikey, how are you, Mickey? Mickey, in Mickey, the, uh, yeah. Mickey, Mickey in the Heisei films, and like why I like that character, or I said I like the idea of the character more than, you know, I, I thought it was a cool idea, and they and then they never really paid it off as well as they could have in those movies. Yeah, she always feels shortchanged in some I, way. I think the thing, I, I do like the relationship between Kong and the little girlness, but I would say because Kong is already so kind of human as a character, you don't really need a like a, a human mouthpiece for him as much. He is very expressive. He's very emotive. He can be a character without that. Whereas because Godzilla is just this kind of like like you just said, he's like a shark, right? If you give Godzilla a human kind of to speak for them, which I think they were trying to do with Madison, 
But that's why I kind of wish, and maybe I'm alone in this, I kind of wish this series had done the thing of like some human having a psychic connection to Godzilla. Because mm-hmm. even in this film, that would have been pretty interesting, right? If this one person was like advocating, no, listen, I actually know. I'm like in Godzilla's head. I can tell you it's not what you think. And still no one's listening to that person. That would have been more interesting to me. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That, and that's when Mickey as a character works best. Yeah, exactly. Like the, I think it's more important for Godzilla to have that mouthpiece because he, he needs it, whereas Kong yeah. doesn't. I'll I'll say though just in 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 general the the this and I, I think this is something that that you can we can kind of pin on Wingard in order to kind of give him his due with this movie for sure is um, the the stylistic choice of like anytime we're really focusing on that little girl to drop all the sound mm-hmm. just to like sort of muffles and and thuds. Was was that was really effective? Yeah. I thought I that really was. A, they actually that. got an actual like uh, the the little girl is actually deaf in real life too. So like you will notice like moments where like s- there's like a big I don't know an explosion or something, and like Rebecca Hall's character has to kind of like tap her or like there's there there's little things like that with her that I liked. There was just something about that connection too. Like I like I okay. I want to make clear I'm not completely shitting on it because like this is the first movie where I felt like those scenes of a human um, giant monster connection like were like really kind of more powerful to me. I mean, I guess in Skull Island it's done fairly well uh, sometimes, but we always laugh at that moment in 2014 where like Ford and Godzilla have like, the, <laughs> the little... Matt's meetup, favorite you know? scene, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah. in this, like the little girl like putting her finger up and God- and uh, Kong touching his finger to it, like that's really well done. Like I, I, I always bought them as like, you know, I always bought the relationship. And even, you know, when, you know, in the in the this giant destroyed city, she's just like waving at her little arms to get his attention and it works. And it's like, that's pretty unbelievable. But again, I was like, I was on board for all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was really well done. And I liked her as a character. Um, I'll also say just on, a, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I, okay. So I was talking about how I don't like Madison, uh, Bernie and uh, Josh, but I will say, and not that they're like amazingly written characters or anything, but I actually really liked Alexander Skarsgård and Rebecca Hall in this. I thought uh, they were like, you know, they were fairly stock too. Yeah. But they're cookie cutter characters, but but they're they well, they have a little more to them. I think. Like Skarsgård, Skarsgård has one of my one of my favorite moments, just because uh, <laughs> it's like the way I reacted to that moment. So he he uh, when when Isa Gonzalez shows up and he's like, "Hi, how you doing? I'm the you know like I'm in charge of the mission or whatever." And she's like, "This vehicle is." You know, the most expensive thing on the world, in the earth. And also it has enough electricity to power Vegas for a week. And he's just like, okay. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> that was like my reaction to like to the dialogue and that and that dialogue exchange for, you know, it was like, I was like, yeah, okay. I don't like what? <laughs> and that's his reaction too. I just, I like, that's one of my favorite yeah. little moments. Yeah, maybe it's just their like natural charisma or something. I just felt like they came across pretty well in this. Like I was, I was even as like stock characters go, I was more into them than I was into like Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston. In oh Skull yeah. Island. yeah, yeah. In Skull Island, especially like after rewatching it, like as far as characters go, like that's John C. Riley and Sam Jackson's movie. Yeah, like totally. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, with the Madison stuff, I I kind of agree with Tom. Like there just doesn't feel like any stakes to it. Like whatever mm-hmm. happens to them almost doesn't matter and i think yeah if you actually bother to have like a security in this place like i was like 
when the when they're like, yeah, we're gonna do the Mechagodzilla test, and they bring out the skull crawler to fight him, and they're like, everyone's looking at that, but like they don't see these three people running from this <laughs> running from this monster. Like that that is baffling to me. Um, and and why? Did, speaking of those characters, why would everyone hate uh, the 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 Deadpool two kid? Like, why would everyone hate him so much? Like everything <laughs> he, he said, they're like, water. shut up, you stupid fat piece of shit like it's like geez this poor kid's just trying to help his friend like he's risking his life to try to help and everyone just is constantly berating him i was a little like more confused to why that actor was in this because when i saw i didn't know he was in this going in and when i saw him i was like okay well cool he's gonna be really funny because he you know he was like you know he's great in hunt for the wilder people he's i mean i'm not a huge deadpool 2 fan but he's doing like the same shtick there and then, I don't know, like, there was, again, there was no real reason for him. He's not necessarily, he's not comedic relief any more than Bernie is, yeah. right? It could have just been Bernie and, and Madison. I uh, do appreciate that he steals his brother's Hesher van and Blair's Judas Priest, but, yeah, the, <laughs> other than that, he just gets yelled at <laughs> the whole time. For It's like, it's kind of like in the last movie, Thomas Middleditch, like, almost everything he said, they were like, would you shut up? We, we hate well, you. you. Know what? You know what? Thomas, maybe they knew. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas. Yeah, we <laughs> we. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's been me tooed now. So yeah. maybe it was all for the best at the end. Um, Should we talk about how great Kyle Chandler is in this one? <laughs> Kyle Chandler is literally. <laughs> oh crap! He's signed on for one other movie. Yeah. How do we get him in here? <laughs> Kyle, are you free on Tuesday? Do you want to come film all your scenes? We'll get you out before lunch. <laughs> yeah, Monarch as a whole is like that, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, in the previous movies, they're like the monster organization, right? And then, and then, and in King of the Monsters, they're like under investigation by the Senate, and you know, for like working too unilaterally or something, and you know, not answering to anyone and all this stuff. And then, like in this movie, they're basically just like FEMA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's this a is reason. well. Yeah, I, I was going to say there, there's um. This is probably a good segue into what we know was cut, which we know a lot, um, and kind of how that might have affected... We, we kind of got into it a little bit, but how that might have affected the final edit of the movie. Um, but I know uh, the big thing with Monarch was um, Lance Reddick, who we do end up seeing in the movie is pretty much a cameo. He says, like, a couple lines. But um, he... he what he's supposed to be the new leader of monarch director yeah the new director um and uh i guess there was they they shot a lot of stuff with that like so and you know it just got cut just to probably pacing issues kind of get to the action a little faster um and i and i noticed that uh the the suits that everyone wears to go into the hollow hollow earth they have the monarch logo on them so I think there was probably a little bit more of Monarch being involved in that mission that just, you know, probably was deemed, you know, not important enough or, you know, slowed things down too much or whatever. Yeah, yeah it so, was kind of weird. Oh, go ahead, Matt, because I know you know more about this. Yeah. The, so, yeah, Wingard talked about basically that, you know, Zhang Ziyi, who was Dr. Chen in King of the Monsters, Lance Riddick, and then um, we know that Jessica Henwick was cast as well, who was in, like, Iron Fist and uh, Love and Monsters, which we just reviewed for the podcast. But basically, there was a, a, a mission to the, the center of the Earth, 
um, in the Hollow Earth with Monarch, and they were going to play a bigger role, but it was essentially cut. And they did, he mentioned rearranging some scenes and using them differently. And I know that it was mentioned by a few other um, actors that they had a bunch more stuff happen down there that ended up getting cut. And like some of the other people that got cut, um, there was a, a, an assistant for Dr. Chin. Um, there was some person cast as quote unquote mean girls. Like they had some other people that just got cut and like part of me appreciates that they tried to cut the fluff, but at the same point it does leave those weird, like there's gaps in the script and you can kind of tell where they are when you yeah. watch the movie, but like, well, it's, that, it's like was, yeah, like when Trev's it's a shame too, because I'd, I'd so much rather watch another five, 10 minutes of just them being in the hollow earth mm-hmm. and like, I mean, they could they could just they could even just be hanging out. I just like I dug the whole atmosphere of the Hollow Earth. I thought it was just like kind of that like it just kind of engrossed me. And I I would much rather watch just five ten more minutes of that than than the five ten fifteen extra minutes yeah. we get of Madison. And and well, like 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 Trev said, like we know Isa Gonzalez said she had a lot of stuff cut. And yeah, it, it mm-hmm. makes me feel like there must have been something more to her accompanying them that we well now and then so yeah someone asked her on twitter like was there more to your character that was filmed was there more character development and she responded with just a simple yes and then (laughs) it's funny like you go and look at wikipedia and you look at this the casting section and you see all these actors like talking about these roles and you're just like what are you talking about this (laughs) this is like not the movie i watched and like a good example that is uh shanaguri who plays ren sarazawa who is the son of the late monarch scientist ishiro sarazawa and an apex cybernetic scientist and tech engineer. And he's talking about his character in here. He says, like, he describes Ren's goal as trying to protect the Earth. However, the means to his goal differ from everyone else and his father. Oguri mm-hmm. noted that Ren sort of followed in his father's footsteps, but stated he doesn't believe he was heard by his father. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, well, we don't even... <laughs> No, no. We don't even that, know if he's like they're actually related, except the last name. Like it's never even. Yeah, well, that. No, yeah. I mean I, he was. I mean, at some point when he got cast, at least that was the intention. Yeah, and, I don't know and, if they filmed um, this stuff. And got cut or what? And Ren Sarazawa is actually mentioned in the novelization of King of the Monsters, and I believe some of the tie-in comic books. I haven't read. I haven't read any since the 2014 tie-in because I just really didn't like that one. But I guess in some of the other tie-ins, there's mention of him somewhere. So I, I, I think. Um, but he's definitely mentioned in the King of the Monsters novelization, and and yeah, I I knew that he was supposed he was a Sarazawa when I watched the movie. I didn't know he was going to be cut that much. But uh, if you remember, towards the beginning, um, him and Simmons are on a roof when Godzilla first attacks, and he's like they're trying to get to a helicopter, and he's like. Um, Simmons is telling Sarazawa, like, come on, come on. And, like, he's just kind of, like, staring at Godzilla, like, really angrily. And I was like, okay, so I see where this is going. So just based on the quote that Trev read, I'm assuming that he probably grew up feeling like his father was never at home with the family and was always obsessed with Godzilla. And so it's, it's like kind of that daddy issues trope of like, Oh, so he's he Shinji get in the goddamn robot. Right? Yeah. And, and so he's intentionally like, he has a grudge against Godzilla <laughs> because he basically like blames him for his dad, not being there. That's what I'm assuming. But there, yeah, no, there was definite, he had, and Wingard mentions like one kind of not huge, but he mentions there was a, a certain subplot that they basically had to like, get rid of and and do some reshoots around at the beginning and the end of the movie that is really kind of like 
like hammered home and i'm assuming it was probably a lot of his character setup um which i don't know i mean i i get that's a trope like oh the jealous son kind of thing but like i don't know it would have been nice to like kind of get a little bit of that especially because they they say sarazawa like they don't just say this is ren they say this is ren sarazawa so it's like as the movie stands right now i'm just assuming sarazawa is like the Japanese surname equivalent to, like, Smith, where it's like, you know, everyone's name, got the last name Smith. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is interesting, like, do you guys have any other thoughts on how it might have affected the final edit of what we see, like? I feel like that's gotta be the biggest one to me, right? Like, in terms of, well, I it's tough. In terms of the way the movie flows and the way the characters are, that's the only like. And now you know, for 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 very casual people, they probably didn't even notice or care. So I, I can't can't say it's bad from that point of view, honestly. But like that was the only one really to me that like just really stands out. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said. He's got that moment where he's staring down Godzilla. And the guy's like, come on, get in the helicopter. Come on. And it's like, what? why are they making a point to show this guy not get in the helicopter? You know, and then he's then he's called Sarazawa and um, he's got a few lines of dialogue that kind of seem to be setting him up towards something. And he's got a, what I'll say is probably. His his involvement in the movie is what I'll say is maybe one of the biggest pieces of like just wasted potential in general of like you could have done you could have done this slightly differently and like it's continuity error either way right because with the whole Ghidorah thing because like they they say that there's two skulls and we know from the previous movie there's only one so so even the way they already incorporated it there's there's a continuity error if you had just ignored it there'd be a mild continuity error also but i think by introducing it and especially by putting him in that seat there's this whole potential really interesting idea of is that messing with his brain is it changing his behavior is it mm-hmm. you know like that kind of stuff, and like you never get even any hints of that. You could have. And even I do wonder. If, like, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I do wonder if that was in a in an edit or something because yeah. like it, it's 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 a there's a lot with that character that just seems mm-hmm. lost. Because you could have even played it. I wonder if this is ever talked about or any version of the scripting stage where you know, like Bird was talking about how is Apex really that bad? And is Damien Bashir's character you know really that evil? You could have really played it to where like they had the best intentions and they were trying to just create you know Mechagodzilla for you know somewhat good reasons. And then Sarazawa is the one who, because of his anger at Godzilla over like yeah. what happened to his father, he's the one who basically like you know goes against the company and. You know, you could have left the whole Gidra thing out of it, essentially, and really had Sarazawa become like the villain creating or uh, you know piloting Mechagodzilla mm-hmm. at the end, yeah. just fully. But, uh, but then you also could have had like the the kids instead of pouring alcohol on the uh, computer, they could have actually like taken him out. Yeah, as trying to, and that could have been the reason Mechagodzilla. Like it would have worked. Madison <laughs> just shoots him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, like it definitely seems. Because Wingard said that this actually had the least amount of reshoots from the other MonsterVerse movies. He said mm-hmm. they only did five days of reshoots. Um, yep. And I know that like it was delayed because of COVID, but it, it had an earlier delay 
um, before that, and I wonder if... It definitely sounds like in the post-production stage, there was a little bit of a struggle, and I, I think a lot of that probably leads into the writing portion. I know a person that uh, worked on this movie... Um, we we actually reached out to this individual um, when Matt and I were were uh, on the team planning the Kaiju Masterclass online event. We reached out to this individual and we said, "Hey, would you like to you know come and and be a guest?" And he very politely said, "Um, I would have nothing nothing but bitter things to say about the experience." Um, in the writing phase of this film and I I don't want to I don't want to bring the event down and he, he very politely said you know good luck with the event like I I just don't think I would be any fun to talk to um so that definitely shows that there was some struggle in the writing phase and, and I'm wondering if that kind of also leaked into the editing, because I, I I would guess that this probably went through numerous edits where, you know, they tried different things, and, and for whatever reason, this is the one that they, they settled on. Um, and, and, you know, I think that this is a movie that's trying to fit a lot of eggs into one basket, so I can see how that struggle would exist in both the writing and the editing phase. They say a movie well, exists three times. Once is the script... Then there's the movie you shoot, then there's the movie that you make in editing. So a movie is made three times, and I can definitely see, like I said, I don't know where, and I mean, I'm sure as the years go forward, we'll hear more, but I I, I can definitely see in the the first and last of those three phases, I can sense the struggles. Yeah, and I, but I will say, like, you know, in terms of that editing thing, like, it's it's very clear watching the movie that whenever those disputes came up, what ultimately won out in the edit was what is going to make this the dumbest, <laughs> but, <laughs> but more importantly, what's just going to move this along the quickest? Because this movie moves at like a crazy fast clip. Like this is like this movie ain't kidding around. You know, it's just it's flying through the story. And we're like talking right now about something that's disappointing. But at the end of the day, we also all enjoyed the movie. And you kind of can't just you kind of can't argue with the choices they made, because mm-hmm. if they're looking at this as a kid's movie, you know, right now this has like an 80 percent around tomatoes. People seem to be really enjoying it. I don't know. I mean, ultimately, maybe they were right to just say, like, you know what, let's just, if this character stuff, you know, like, because of where we see Sarazawa, what his ultimate fate is in the film, would it matter that much if there was, like, an additional 10 minutes of him in talking about his bond with his dad, if it's if he's still the same fate? Probably not, right? So, I guess you can just remove it and just get the, get Ape and Monkey to fight quicker, you know? <laughs> Ape and Monkey? I, I do know. <laughs> you mean- oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm jumping ahead to the sequel. Wait. When uh, when Wingard came on, I know that basically Mechagodzilla was already like it was already a thing. They had already planned to use it. He didn't know when he signed on initially, and then they told him. But I also know that they had basically four pages previously outlined, and that was part of the writers' room. So like he was in an interview and basically said he made a lot of different choices from that. So we know they changed that quite a bit. I do also know that the aircraft carrier scene was always a part of the of the that original outline. And that included like Kong jumping from ship to ship, which is a pretty awesome, awesome yeah. sequence. I know Skarsgård said that when they were all getting cast, like Wingard was showing them like the previs of that scene. So that was obviously one of the, one of the first things that they were like considering for this movie. 
I, I think Wingard made a good point in one of the interviews I watched where he said, you know, look, if you watch the trailer and you see Godzilla and King Kong on an aircraft carrier and you're like, whoa, that's awesome, then this movie's for you. And then if you were one of those curmudgeons who were like, oh, the ship's not, you know, is, is it big enough or whatever, like, you're missing the point. Like, that was the movie they were shooting. It was ludicrous and stupid. And I think that goes back to the editing. They made those choices with a lot of intent and with a lot of purpose. And, like, to me, as dumb as some of those choices were, like, it all really works as the movie. And so I also can't really fault them for making those decisions. I would yeah. have liked to see, like, some of, some differences, but to me, that's more nitpicky stuff. It, it's a movie that basically dares you to accept a lot of really stupid stuff. So, I, like, even at the very beginning, right, when we get the reveal of the Skull Island containment unit, I was just thinking, Jesus, how giant does that have to be to cover that entire <laughs> island? And that was the first time Godzilla noticed it. How did they build that around him? With him, like, was he? Did he take a very long nap? And they're like, quick, put up the containment unit around the entire island. Like, what? How does that work? You know? And then just, and then I was thinking of the timing of it too, because they say, okay, again, there's just like one line. There's this one line of dialogue about some nebulous storm that killed like all the natives. And you're like, oh, when did that happen? Did that happen <laughs> before? I mean, it must have happened before they put up that containment unit, right? So like, what's the timing of this exactly? and yeah i don't know it's but again it's just like don't think about it you know what this movie is bird is this uh and i don't like this one this as much as it but this is basically like king kong escapes right uh, you it's know like i've and i've seen that comparison online a yeah. lot too is like and and before before it came out i was even thinking like if it's going to be stupid i want it to be king kong escapes stupid mm-hmm. and not king of the monsters stupid and i i i i, I think it definitely it a little more towards the former yeah, it definitely leans more into King Kong Escapes. And then I another interview I was reading with Wingard, they said like, you know, what are your, you know, he 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 said King Kong Escapes is actually one of his favorite Kong movies and it's like, well, I can kind of tell. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what if King Kong Escapes actually had a good fight scene at the end? That's basically <laughs> this movie. Can I just mention this movie continues a, a, a monsterverse tradition of. Um, naming things after things that should probably not be named after instead of like using a a Harryhausen or a Honda or a O'Brien or a you know Marion Cooper Are you talking about um, Denim University? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Trev, did you catch that? I caught it. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's it's certainly not as bad as like Castle Bravo or Lucky Dragon. Well, but, the, the, um, well, yeah. The King of the Monsters naming, names naming your university after who is arguably the villain <laughs> of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, there's a. That's a monsterverse tradition is naming things that you shouldn't be naming them. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh... Yeah, no, I caught that one right away. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you can, if 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 I tell you there's a movie where Godzilla shoots a hole through the entire Earth, and King Kong comes climbing out of it within like 20 seconds, and you're like, oh, that sounds like something I'd want to watch. I mean, this is for you. But if you're like, what? <laughs> are you are you high right now? Like, yeah, you're probably not gonna. <laughs> it'll probably drive you crazy. You know, Trevor already brought it up, but I do think they made the right choice because, like, it's resonating with people so far. Mm-hmm. And unlike King of the Monsters, which had, like, a, what, 40-some-odd percent or whatever, like, that stuff does matter. And all all the choices they made 
I mean, for the most part, I've seen generally positive reviews from from fans. I think some of the predictable crowd that we knew going in, like they weren't going to like it, don't like it, and they they have genuine reasons not to. Like there's stuff to there's stuff to say about. It. We've been talking about it for like an hour and a half probably now, but I, I'm just I'm happy with how the movie turned out, given what we know about the reshoots, the, some of the edit changes, the writers' room stuff, and the fact that it was like delayed. I also think it's really important to note, like. We're going to talk about this, I'm sure, with the box office. This is this is coming at a time when, like, COVID's weird. We've all been locked in our homes. It, it was nice for me to be able to turn my brain off and watch something about a character that I loved and just be able to take it all in and not think too much. And well, it was the, a wild ride. Like, that, 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 to me, is the biggest appeal. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Wingard was ultimately right. Like, he, his attitude is completely accurate. And I'll tell you what, like, so, like, my Twitter feed is obviously very different than, like, the social media feed of you guys. Because I'm not, I don't have as many, like, kaiju fanatics, like, in my Twitter feed. And I can tell you that in, like, the weeks leading up to this movie, you know, I follow mostly, like, horror people. So, it's, like, a, a big horror fandom is, like, my social media presence. And everyone leading up to this movie is just, like... I just want to see giant monkey fight giant lizard. Like that's what people wanted from this movie. Like they don't, they didn't go in wanting like any of this like kind of character crap we're talking about. Right. Everyone wanted a dumb fun movie. And sometimes people do just want dumb fun. And Wingard clearly understood that more than the other filmmakers in this series have. But as also like Matt said, this is also the first actual giant blockbuster we've got in like a year, you know? So it's just like, it was like kind of the perfect one to kind of be the first to kind of come out and just, you know, get thrown out there in the theaters in a bigger way and just be like, it's, it's just what it is, right? Like uh, bird, sometimes uh, <laughs> bird will get mad at me for saying this, but I think sometimes this is where I get a little suspicious of bird <laughs> because sometimes bird will have this like um, holier than thou attitude about movies like resident evil and stuff. Right. And he'll be like, that's just garbage. Right. This movie is like just as much garbage as like resident evil. You know, the, the only difference is it has giant monsters in it. I'm not perfect. It, okay. I'm, like, I'm only as God made me. It's the same thing. But here's the thing. I love Resident <laughs> Evil and I like this. It's just as stupid. It's asking you to turn your brain off in the same way. You watch like the Hollow Earth thing. Who like who created this giant chapel? The previous Kong's <laughs> ancestors made a hole in the ground that the axe fits into that turns on the energy. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> it's just like, who cares? You know, when Kong first opened that do- the doors and he like, there's all those like, pews for like monsters to sit in (laughs) (laughs) i laughed my ass off i loved kong at the of all the monsters kong has the worst luck because every movie he's just trying to chill he's just trying to relax and this movie like you see him like laying down you see him waking up in the morning you see him scratching his ass <laughs> you see him you know he goes in and has a shower and a waterfall and then of course you know humans gotta come and interrupt his his flow and like that he that he can't catch a break um speaking of i kind of want to get everyone's thoughts um in the i guess in earlier versions of the script kong was actually supposed to die um i'm assuming not from Godzilla, but I'm assuming after he after he kills Mechagodzilla, I'm assuming that his heart probably gives out or something. But uh, I don't know. I uh, I'm not just saying that because he's he's my buddy. But I I don't know that I I feel like that would be a weird note to end on. Yeah, there's no. I don't. I don't. There's no call for that. I don't. Think. I don't like that. I wouldn't have liked that. Yeah. 
Yeah, Wingard said he changed that because he was like they were trying to do worse stuff to Kong, and I just I felt bad for him. Look, we all we <laughs> all went we all went in knowing that they would end like kind of teamed up and fighting together, and that's what you want. And you also want them both like in a place to still passively team up later at the end of it. You don't want one of them dead. I am surprised <laughs> that they did. I mean, when they were saying it, like early on, like there's definitely a winner. I was like, this has to just be like a J.J. Abrams like oh tough. <laughs> of course like kind of thing but i was surprised that they committed to having a winner and yes godzilla won two fights with kong um or the the second slash third one however i mean because in the movie they say kong wins round two although they start fighting again oh yeah yeah they they then Um, then we see the fight continue though but godzilla wins that second one decisively right i mean oh yeah and can we uh and and i mean thinking about it like i guess i guess it's only fair like kong won in the 62 movie now godzilla won it's like okay we're good also godzilla godzilla like kong has the more screen time right so it's like yeah he can lose because it's still his movie yeah and and i i did think it was a cool decision that like yeah even though godzilla beats him like godzilla would have been killed if kong didn't come in and take out mech like yeah he, it's, he, it's like it's they yeah. figured out like the perfect way to do it to yeah where, they, yes there is a decisive winner but like it doesn't matter yeah of. right yeah I, I think that like they they found a way to make both fan bases happy and i i think it they did it in a, a better way than i thought they would have um uh kong also think- gets my favorite part in the entire movie um so there's that for him and that, and that part is when Isaac Gonzalez like shoots him in the back to try to distract him to try to then <laughs> escape, and uh, he grabs her thing, he grabs her heave, and he like holds it up close to his eye to look into it to make sure that the little girl isn't there, and Isaac Gonzalez is like, oh no, 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 and like you you think it's gonna be this big build up to like some dramatic you know payback or comeuppance for this character, and he just kind of crushes it with his hand and then just. <laughs> shakes the debris out of his hand that's like my it's just such a casual like awesome and i'll say that too as a whole i love that the villains of this movie get comeuppances and get you know conclusions to their (laughs) stories did you like when that one interviewer i don't know if we sent this to trevor not some inner did you like when that interviewer asked wingard like yeah so like where's charles dance from the last movie and he was like oh uh whoops (laughs) whoops <laughs> yeah he's like oh i guess he's out there somewhere still <laughs> speaking of isaac gonzalez though and that character and the, and the heaves um i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a little bit of script doctoring for adam wingard usually uh, he'll, he'll appreciate it yeah usually i charge a lot for this but since the movie's done i'll give him i'll give him this for free because there's nothing they can do about it now they missed an opportunity for like an obvious joke so there's the part where they're in the heaves and they're going into the portal to go to hollow earth and skarsgård gives her a barf bag and he says, like, you're going to need this, you know, and then you never see the barf bag again. But then, like, five minutes later, Kong, like, bites the head off one of those creatures and they cut to her and she's like, gross. What the joke obviously should have been is he should have given her the barf bag to go through the portal. She's like, huh, didn't even need it. And then she sees guys. Or then she sees Kong bite that head and then she pulls out the barf bag. Come on, guys. This is like kid <laughs> stuff here. What are you? <laughs> the amateur hour over there, Wingard. <laughs> Um, hey, speaking of speaking of Hollow Earth stuff, did you guys think that the 
it's some of the creatures some of the creatures in the hollow earth almost felt like they were kong 2005 inspired the one lizard that comes out and like eats the little crab or spider or whatever reminded me a lot of the one that like uh kind of chases naomi watts and then the t-rex eats it yeah yeah that that and i thought the the bat things the hellhawks the 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 ones that look like mitch mcconnell yeah yeah (laughs) But that could be the Weta factor too. Like we know Weta did work on this. I, yeah, I called them uh, the Ballsack Bird, but yeah, that's also Mitch McConnell. So, but they uh, also yeah. like they look like the the bat things that are in the cave in in two thousand five Kong. So yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I wonder. I mean, like I said, with Weta on board, I wonder if maybe they had some of the same creature designers or or something. You know, I did like um, uh, the War Bat with. Or the yeah the war bat that's like the big flying snake cobra thing I thought that I thought he was pretty cool yeah that was the coolest yeah. new design I thought um, it was the only, well oh, I'm sorry it's well not that the those only... the stupid things we were just talking about that you guys think looks like Mitch McConnell I think it looks like Angelica Houston and the witches <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, you should tweet that to her <laughs> um, uh, we uh, so I mean uh, well how I mean. I guess I'm going to lean into lean on Trev a little for this question. Um, you know, Trev, and, and I mean, I think we all agree, maybe to different degrees, but every time we review one of these, we talk about how much these CGI versions of Godzilla and Kong, like, there's just something that's not there that you see when Godzilla's a guy in a suit or when Kong is stop motion. And a lot of it is like, we're all old school guys. We love the practical effects. Um but I, I kind of want to lean into onto Trev for this. Like, did I, I feel like there's obviously we're all gonna feel like that a little bit with any movie like this that comes around. Like, when I pull a kaiju movie off my shelf, it's probably gonna be a guy in a suit miniatures. But especially with you liking the fights more and stuff, like, did you miss it as much as as you were during the other ones? No, it makes sense that you're asking me this because you're like specifically referencing it. When I when I wrote my review for King of the Monsters, that review is kind of like a sad review where I said like I think this movie made me realize that I just don't care about CGI kaiju movies because um, I you know I was I wasn't really enjoying any of them except for Colossal. But then like you said, that's because what that movie was doing was so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean obviously at the end of the day, I still prefer Men, Men in Suit, but I guess this showed me that no, if you get a filmmaker who kind of knows what they're doing a little bit more and, it, and is just having fun. Um, I, I wasn't. Yeah, to, just to, the simple answer to your question is I I did enjoy this one more, and I think part of, I think that speaks to what we were saying earlier. Is just the 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 filmmaking on hand in those scenes was more clear. Like the fight was just so much more engaging. Like first of all, um, this really speaks to like the wind guard of it all. Like I gotta believe that was at least partly his decision to set that fight in Hong Kong with all those like neon buildings. And it just looks oh, yeah. so it looks so beautiful, right? And we know like uh, when Wingard always uses that like that pink and blue neon aesthetic, and then it just looks so great in this. Like seeing them like lit off those neon lights, and just like how amazing it looks. Um, and then I said like the fight is just so crisp and clear. And I like the uh, yeah the aircraft uh, fight is great too. So uh, yeah, I was more into it this time. Uh, the CGI didn't bother me. Um, of course, you know I'm still I still hope someday someone makes like a throwback kaiju movie with like a big budget like this, but. Mm-hmm probably not gonna happen yeah, so not, for, for me there's that piece of it what what trev was saying and also like like we talked about with the with the anime right um and we talked and we all we all talked about with uh batman ninja too is like if you're gonna do a thing in a certain milieu or whatever uh make 
take full advantage of the the uh, the advantages or the the differences that that provides you over using a man in a suit, right? And I really think this movie does that. I think there's a lot that's done, especially in that in that kind of especially in the Hong Kong fight as a whole, but like just especially in the in the brutality of that that sort of final little tiff between Godzilla and Kong where they're really biting at each other and clawing at each other and uh, the way Godzilla's moving throughout that, where he's gone like so full bore animalistic, he's kind of on on all fours that you that you couldn't do or certainly couldn't do as effectively with a suit, you know. And and I think that's that's like always kind of my thing is like, yeah, okay, you're you're doing this, but like there, you know, with this with whatever, but there's no reason that you couldn't necessarily also do this just as effectively with a guy in a suit and and i think this movie takes better advantage of the the fact that it's cg yeah well like even like bird said like the whole thing of godzilla just jump or not godzilla of uh, kong jumping from building to building like it looks so cool and you couldn't really pull that off the same way with like man on suit obviously so <clears throat> yeah i do know wingard actually mentioned like for the hong kong stuff they um, they purposely beefed up the buildings. Obviously, Hong Kong doesn't really look like that. They added stuff. They made the buildings bigger. And the other thing that he said, like that was always his vision. That very, like, eighties colorful aesthetic. He yeah, of course. That, yeah, um, like that's. I mean, but like the one thing he pointed out that that was interesting. Like the movie starts off kind of more monotone initially, and like he as you progress, like you start noticing he vehicles. They're all super colorful. Like the the color palette progresses as you watch the film, which was I thought was kind of a. I need choice. There's some actual green in this movie, which is nice. Can I? So, Bert, I asked if I could have a moment where I share my three favorite lines. Oh yeah. Can I do that? Can I do that now? Because the last one will lead into like what I think should be our next big discussion point. Okay. Yeah. Go um, for so it. these are like my, these are my favorite lines, and I don't know that I mean I don't think these are necessarily good lines. They're just lines that I thought were silly and stupid, and that's why I enjoyed them. So the first one is when um, they kind of figure out like what Godzilla is up to, and I just like that they actually say. This is why Godzilla attacked the Apex facility. They were trying to replace him. And I like that because it made me think like how did he know that? Like did he get, did like <laughs> someone call him and like tell him about Mecha Godzilla? Like what was it, like what was the thing that set him <laughs> off on that? Um he apparently had an inside man as well. He's listening to Bernie's podcast. Um the other one I like and Tom already mentioned this earlier. <laughs> this had, like this gave me like Man of Steel vibes in a way where um you know they've been fighting and like I can only imagine thousands are dead just you know millions of dollars in destruction uh, and, and and like property damage and then um kong like briefly wins like that second part of the fight and alexander skarsgård is just like looks like round two goes to kong and i just wanted rebecca hall to turn to him and be like thousands of people are dead Stop <laughs> it. who cares um but but the the line that made me roll my eyes the hardest and i wonder how you guys felt about it was when they first boot up Mechagodzilla. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. And, and yeah. Bernie goes, that's Robo-Godzilla. And Josh goes, no, that's Mechagodzilla. Oh, I hated that. Because <laughs> that is that... That's that. That's that bullshit fan service. Or, where, like, yeah, they're yeah. speaking for us because Mechagodzilla exists in this world. If you heard someone call it Robo-Godzilla first, you'd probably just run with that. You wouldn't be like, oh, no, actually, that's Mechagodzilla. Well, why couldn't he know? have just said... Why couldn't he have just said, it's a Mechagodzilla? Yeah, like what? I don't. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know that he needed to be corrected. <laughs> so that was bad. So, but but the reason I said that, that can lead into is I actually want to ask what you guys thought of Mechagodzilla because now, now Bird alluded to I am a Bird knows my favorite Godzilla villain is Mechagodzilla. I love Mechagodzilla. Um, it's like the only like one of the few Godzilla toys I have is a Mechagodzilla one. Um, I, I just love it. And Bird assumed that when I said I loved the third act, this it's cousin Mechagodzilla. I actually did didn't really like this Mechagodzilla. I found it to be a really ugly and unappealing design. And I just thought he was like coming off of Ghidra, who's like you know obviously Godzilla's like you know Lex Luthor and everything, being so kind of badass in the last movie. Even though I wasn't a huge King of the Monsters fan, I, I didn't really think for this to be maybe the last movie in the series. It felt like kind of a step down as like a main villain. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I didn't think he looked that great, and I just didn't find him to be. Like, um, that I'm with you on the design, especially. Yeah. Because he didn't really look like a Mecha Godzilla, right? He was too skinny. He, like, it looked a lot know. like if anyone remembers those little old toy Zoids. Like if you look up like <laughs> the T Rex Zoid, it looks a lot like this Mecha Godzilla, and and that is kind of. I mean, I I I I thought his scene, his fight was really cool. So you know, yeah, it, it worked in the, the end. I'm just talking more like the design. Yeah, and um, especially seeing how like like the other movies are not like, I think Legendary is really nailed. Like, a great Godzilla design. Kong, I mean, that's not a hard one, but, like, I thought uh, Ghidorah looked fantastic. I thought Rodan looked great. Mothra, I was a little more Anne, but I thought overall Mothra was good, and it's, like, just seeing how well they did with all those other monsters, like, to see Mechagodzilla be this kind of, like, just a, such a weird design, it is really, like, wow, how did they get, like... How did they do all these amazing redesigns for all these other monsters? And like, this is the Mecha Godzilla. I know Wingard seemed to allude that even like even though Mecha Godzilla was already part of it when he came on the project, like that he he had a little bit more input in the design. And um, yeah, he said that he didn't want it to look like one of the Michael Bay Transformers. He said like he hates how those Transformers look. They all just look like metal things, and it's like. I'm not quite. Oof. Yeah, I was gonna miss the mark. On, right, miss the mark on that one. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, just, I was just thinking to myself, like that's kind of exactly what it looks like. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's probably my least favorite Mecha Godzilla design, unless you count the time that he was a city in an anime <laughs> that he wasn't in. I mean, I guess technically I forgot about that one for good reason. <laughs> I mean, I would I would even include the general design of the actual Mecha Godzilla in that as l- below this personally, but um, yeah, I'm a little of mixed minds, right? I, I you know, being being big Godzilla fans, the the three of us, uh, I don't know if did did Trev see the design before the movie, like no. Okay, so the, I the saw three... like the little I saw like the brief glimpse of him in the trailer where it's like, oh yeah, Mecha Godzilla's in this, but I'd never looked at it in, in a detail. The three of us have seen this design because of the toys, yeah, for like y- a year and a half already. Um, and I also actually like before the movie came out, I stopped in a Walmart and I saw all of the toys for this and I bought them for my son. And, uh, when we sat down and watched it, I gave him the, the Godzilla and the Kong and the war bat. Um, I have the other two saved up for, I don't know, rainy day or something. Um, but, uh, so I, I had seen the, the Mecha Godzilla design already and like really hated it. It comes a little bit better 
in motion a little bit better in the movie, which I, you know, kind of expected. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a bad design. And I mean, so much so that like when they boot it up and they, and then, you know, he goes, it's a robot Godzilla. No, it's a mecha Godzilla. I said to my son, I was like, Max, it's mecha Godzilla. And he goes, doesn't even look like him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There you go. So, you know, yes, in general, Adam Wingard did a great job of making this movie for kids. But, uh, yeah, you you missed the mark on the Mechagodzilla design. You know, what's interesting is I just looked up the toys because I wanted to, like, kind of get another glimpse at it. And I encourage anyone listening to do the same. If you look up just Godzilla vs. Kong Mechagodzilla toy, the Funko Pop of it actually looks the best. Because, (laughs) like, the Funko Pop gives it, like, a bigger head. And the whole thing just has like a little bit more like thickness and like weight to it, and like that looks better to me. Like I was really kind of just, just I, I really kind of didn't like how skinny and inconsequential it looked, especially when pitted up against Godzilla. It's definitely it's like yes, yes, it, it's definitely skinnier, mm-hmm. and it, it looks I, it, it looks like Godzilla should just like break it in half with like yeah. its tail, with I, I his with sl- his tail. I think I slightly like it more than like. Than the Heisei Godzilla, Heisei Mecha Godzilla design. I just that thing is so static. This is one of those things where, like, as a design and a concept, I don't, I don't love it very. I don't like it really at all. But in action and in motion, I actually thought it did really well. And one of the things that they changed was like, you know, the the giant like the hand that could grab everything because he's grabbing Godzilla and, and Kong and like throwing them around. I thought that design choice was more of like out of necessity to make the fight work and. I think in motion and in execution, like they nailed it. The design sucks, but like I was okay with it because of how it came off during the movie. The other thing I wanted to talk about too is, Wingard um, was asked about like, okay, what would you change about Godzilla? He made a joke about you know the head being too small or whatever, but he brought up like his ideal version of Godzilla was basically Heisei Godzilla, but he said he wasn't sure how that would look in execution, and it's kind of the same thing with Mecha Godzilla. It's like it. Yeah, I don't love the, the design, but I think they executed it perfectly, and it makes that that final battle sequence is awesome because of it. That's fair, and I mean, as a fan, like, grew up with all these characters, like, it's cool to see King Kong fight Mechagodzilla, like, come on. <laughs> um, before we move on, just because there's, I have a few out, outstanding pieces of trivia that I don't really have anywhere else to put, um... The final scene with Kong hanging out in the Hollow Earth was originally a post-credit scene, which I think they did the right thing by moving it to just the end. Yeah. Um, and he said part of it is like they don't really know what they're gonna do in the future. Like, there's probably not gonna be another legendary movie. We'll, we'll get into that in a, in a in a bit here. Uh, for whatever reason, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, Wingard wanted him to have a cameo, but he couldn't. <laughs> Thank God, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that would have been distracting. <laughs> um, also, uh, we know that there is a Mothra that's alive and well. Um, the end credits of the last movie said there was a Mothra egg about to hatch, and in this, we see uh, that there is uh, one of um, Bernie's podcasts is about Mothra being pregnant. Um and yeah, thanks the, next the next one's going to be a love triangle. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of Bernie's podcast, I had this written down. Did you guys notice that when he's recording 
his podcast at the beginning of the movie and he says welcome to the titan truth podcast you know this may be the last podcast i record it's got um he's recording it he's on his computer he's recording it and it's got the amount of time he's been recording this podcast that he just welcomed everyone to he has been recording for 20 minutes and 40 seconds <laughs> well that sounds like that sounds familiar. that sounds like us. So, <laughs> i don't know if this is maybe a, an episode of, of yeah i was gonna say is this an episode of days of future podcast where first he talks about you know friends what late night shows he likes and uh the weather and and single guy <laughs> and and then you know 20 25 minutes later he starts talking about the 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 titan conspiracies works for us by the way i don't know if they if they did this let me know you guys might know but how do you not like in terms of like viral marketing shouldn't they have actually got brian tyree henry to record some episodes of that podcast oh that would have been had them fun. coming out like yeah leading up to the awesome. movie that would have yeah. been really fun yeah. that would have been fun but they had no idea how to market this thing. <laughs> that's true <laughs> well we're, we're gonna talk about that i'm sure um then the only only, only other factoid that i kind of want to put out now is um Denai Guerrera, who was best known as Michonne in The Walking Dead, was uh, very close to, I guess, signing on to this. She was in talks to be in it, um, and she was never officially confirmed, but she was always listed on like IMDb and those like fan-generated credit lists, um, and I think we're all kind of in agreement that that was probably Rebecca Hall's character. Yeah, it's the only thing that makes sense, right? Yeah. I have one other observation. <laughs> um... Okay, there's a, when when first of all, let's let's talk about when when uh, when Millie Bobby Brown is watching the news in school. Um, that would never happen. <laughs> no, no teacher would roll in a TV to show you CNN's news broadcast of what happened last night. Um, <laughs> I like, like for I like, like you said, roll in TV for that though. That's like. <laughs> If it was like something happening in the moment, that's when that happens, right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure behind her in that moment on the wall of the school, and now it's never in focus, so I couldn't get a good, good look and see. But I, it just caught my eye and I laughed. I think behind her is do you guys remember the the comic con poster they put out that was red yeah i was thinking was the same thing actually and very and made of yeah, buildings yes it looks like that's behind her and it just it made me laugh to think that like the school has like posters of godzilla on its walls <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some like some other posters that talk about like titans mm-hmm. and actually this might be this might be a good segue into um Adam Wingard basically said, hey, I, I didn't want to throw in a bunch of references to the series itself. Like, he felt like King of the Monsters, and he's right, like, did that to death, and so he wanted to more do the homage stuff to, like, you know, Bruce the Shark and Jaws being Godzilla, and we talked about the Die Hard sequence with Kong jumping off the, the boat. What was, what was the thing with Lethal Weapon 2? It's uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, it's great, yeah. first of yep. all, but it's when Kong is, like, first, like, brought back to life or whatever, and uh, his shoulder is dislocated, and he he runs into a oh, building yeah. to like relocate his shoulder. Totally a Riggs from Lethal yeah. Weapon moment, and I thought that was I I I chuckled with glee. I thought that was just absolutely <laughs> hilarious that a giant monster knows how to relocate his own shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I buy I, I buy Kong being at least as smart as Mel Gibson. 
So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, le- and probably less racist. So <laughs> Kong wins. Um, you know, he, uh, he, you know, Matt, you said he, he didn't want to have constant references to the other Godzilla movies. I, I think he's very successful at dropping in the few that he does, especially to the prior Godzilla, yeah. you know, and Kong battle. Right. I mean, I there's, noticed when he shoves the axe the, the, handle there's, there's into obviously his... the axe for the tree. Um, but I also noticed like, did you like, cause bird, you even, you even talked about this when we did the King Kong versus Godzilla podcast, uh, commentary that when, um, Godzilla throws Kong over his shoulder, you were like, yeah, there's actually like a, there's someone in the suit actually. Like mm-hmm. they were actually throwing each other around. There's a moment where Kong like goes for a, a hit from behind on Godzilla and Godzilla throws him over his shoulder. And I was like, that's a very like. That's a very specific thing yeah. to have. And, and I, I think another right. obvious one is Kong being carried by helicopters, which happens in yeah. both King Kong vs. Godzilla and King Kong Escapes. So, yeah, he manages to, to still get some references. Yeah, he does it without there. being obnoxious like King of the Monsters was. It's kind of like how Skull Island like would have like a thing in here or there. It's like Skull Island has that cannibal holocaust homage where like the spider impales the guy and and it's more stuff like that which i yeah, i enjoy that you, more than like oh here's a guy yeah. skyping in an oxygen destroyer because it's a thing i recognize you know if you don't if you don't know what these things are the movie will still just whisk past you right you know, there's like, also um i don't know if you guys noticed it the very first shot of godzilla's movie when he comes out of the water his mouth opens up like right in the screen and it basically looks like there's like a vagina inside his mouth. And I think that's an homage to basic instinct. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, the aircraft no, carrier because I'm hoping that by, I'm, I'm hoping by me saying that, that now every fan who watches the movie will only be able to see that when that, when Godzilla comes out of the water now, I'm sure Michael Doherty loves that uh, shot. Um, we also think that there's, we, the, we collectively as a group think there's an homage to back to the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the end, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård is dressed exactly <laughs> like Marty McFly. And earlier in the movie, he's dressed like McGruber. <laughs> the Marty McFly thing, because of, like, Wingard's, like, 80s obsession, that's that's got to be, like, on purpose. There's yeah. just no way. It's, like, too dead um, on. I, there's a, a part where Godzilla is, like, dragging a ship that um, is definitely a Jaws reference. The aircraft carrier battle itself is very much like an episode of Evangelion. Um, there's maybe also, it's also maybe it's an homage to Battleship, also starring Alexander <laughs> Skarsgård. Um, and there's also the uh, um, when Simmons tells Sarazawa, "Get in the damn chair." I like. I feel like that had to have been a deliberate like get in the robot Shinji uh, nod. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are things that are like just kind of fun little things that yeah like we said they they whisk past you the movie doesn't call special attention to them yeah which you know we mentioned was and i still will say to this day is like my biggest problem with like the oxygen destroyer part is like the movie's like we have an oxygen destroyer and you're (laughs) like the movie like yes it only grinds to a halt for a moment but it grinds to a halt well, also, like, people, norm, normal people watching it are going to be like, what? It, what? Yes, it grinds to a halt very specifically to point out what that there's an oxygen destroyer. And if you're a person who's not a Godzilla fan, you're going to be like, what the f- what? what? 
what is an oxygen destroyer and why should I care? And it's only fan service, right? Um, it's the movie, this movie almost entirely avoids that. And it's only the only moment it, I, the only moment I think it dips into that kind of stupid fan service reference thing is it's not robo godzilla mm. it's mecha godzilla and yeah, that's i agree with that that's um, just the what are you gonna do kind of thing yeah uh uh just to kind of circle back a little bit we we talked about i mean this movie is definitely in a better position now than it was in either of its previous release dates where it was like smashed against marvel and dc and pixar all this other stuff now it's like the only game in town, same time as vaccinations being rolled out, movie theaters are open in way more parts of the, the country. Like, this is a case where all this stuff that we assumed was like bad luck ended up working in its favor. And I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that it's gonna, I, I think it's gonna do well considering the circumstances, which means. It's probably not going to triple its budget or anything like what's normally expected, but I do think that because of just the timing, I think it's going to do well. Um, and uh, I don't quite. I mean, I, I, what it I know. Made, it made like almost as much as King of the Monsters did internationally in its opening weekend. Yeah. Um, as and King of the Monsters was the previous like high earner in this series in its opening weekend, and this this didn't beat it or anything. But, right? but so, just to clarify, King of the Monsters at the end was the biggest box office failure of ever, right. all of them. But still, this this movie, King of the Monsters, in its opening weekend internationally, made 130 million. This made like 124 million. Um, that's pretty impressive considering theaters in some countries are still not even open. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I, this is where we should probably just, you know, kind of talk about the, where we see things heading. Um, and I, it's one of those things where no matter how well it does, I, this is the last movie in Toho's agreement with Legendary for these characters. And... For those that don't know, Legendary's parent company, Wanda, is like several billion dollars in debt. They just shed all their AMC stock. Their CEO of their film division just resigned. Um, they're not in a great spot. Um, and considering all the licensing you have to do with Toho for all these monsters, you know, you gotta agree with Universal to get, do something with Kong. There's a lot of like they don't own these characters and i i don't see this movie doing well enough for toho either who want to like kind of do more of their own stuff i don't see them extending or re you know renewing no. their contract but but kind of what trev was saying though i see this movie doing well enough to give toho a big enough head to think that they can just run into something well and we know toho have even said like yeah eventually we want to do our own like universe thing um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things also where like, like Trev said, like, I don't really agree with Trev that Mechagodzilla is a step down from Ghidorah, but it is one of those things where it's like, you've exhausted Mechagodzilla and the other, and Rodan and Mothra and Ghidorah, and you've even got Kong in there, which like no one ever thought they would see, you know, Toho 
have been trying for decades. I mean, pretty much since the first King Kong versus Godzilla to get Kong back with Godzilla. You know, in the Heisei series, they tried. They even tried to do a Mechanic Kong when they figured they couldn't do Kong. They couldn't do that. So, like this, this was in a way like a Toho's like a thing they've been trying to make happen forever. And it's like for normal people appeal like where do you even go after you see this big crossover and they got Mechagodzilla in there who's probably the last of like the th- the characters nor like like normie people <laughs> recognize like if they do another one what are they oh Godzilla versus Gigan Godzilla versus you know uh Bacon. yeah or, no. or Godzilla versus Biollante <laughs> Like that's not gonna put butts in seats. So like I I think that this is probably Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, so, the I, next I think step that... is a Varan solo movie. This is definitely a logical place to end it. Regardless, though, is you don't want uh, you don't want to see the legendary King Caesar. <laughs> I would I would. <laughs> I think the uh, I, I think the one potential answer to that now to be fair I like you I don't think there'll be another one. I I do think they're in like. That's kind of probably pretty frustrating for them because they're in an awkward, not, well, not awkward position, but like a tough position now to where, you know, this is the one they had to get to, right? Like they were going to, they were going to power through however much of a failure the other ones were, you know, critically or financially, because they knew this would, this was going to be the biggest one. Yeah, People, it's, like, it's, a lot, It a has lot of, that Freddy versus Jason factor where yeah, like for a, a while, of, a no of, one was watching those and then put them together and everyone wants to see it. Yeah, a lot of normies who didn't care about King of the Monsters or Skull Island will be like, oh, Godzilla vs. Kong? Okay, I'll check that out. So this is always going to be the biggest deal. But now they also have that combined with the fact that people actually like this one. Like, this has, like, kind of the best response. And I'm sure there is a part of them that says, like, Oh man, like that's like this is the one where that we should actually be following. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't feel like an obligation anymore to keep going because people seem like they want to see more. Yeah. And to your point, Bert, about like what do you do next? I, I think the one potential answer to that is the one thing we haven't seen is a, a movie where the entire time Godzilla and Kong are working together, where it's like a yeah. movie with them as allies against something. Like that's yeah. like that that's where you would probably head now to yeah. have them be like partners the whole movie. Well, even though they're even though their deal with Toho is up, they are still working with Kong. Like we know that they're migrating they're they're doing a MonsterVerse animated series on Netflix with with a recent Trev favorite, Brian Duffield. Trev just like conjures these people into legendary's office i guess but (laughs) (laughs) but um you know considering kind of the crossroads they're at that's not really a bad thing to do either i mean that's going to be costing them probably less than a giant blockbuster and it's on netflix and you know they can kind of just do keep keep working with kong and do it like smaller with less money I, i think that's also like from a business standpoint, that's a decent that's a decent next step, I think. I would also I would say pay, like I would pay some money though to see a movie where Godzilla and Kong are buddies and it opens yeah. up with it opens up with them like just hanging like hanging out. <laughs> well and and to that point, like and this is exactly that's what I would want the next one to be also. And to that point, like I think what maybe further complicates is I don't know about you guys, but you know, this up to this point, this franchise has been kind of treated like director hot potato 
Um, I would only really be interested in another one if they got Wingard back. Because well, I think it's clear to me now that he's the guy for this franchise. Yeah, well, well, speaking of, someone asked and, him, but like... He's, but he's going to be... I know He said he would do more, but I, it, it sounds like he's going to become a very like busy person now. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, someone asked him, like, hey, like you you get to do a sequel, what would you do? And like he didn't really give away any plot details or like what monsters he would want to pick. He did tell an, interview, an interviewer like he knows what monsters he would pick, but he wasn't going to say it. Um, but he said... Uh, uh, if he did do a sequel, um, he said, we would get less into a human storyline and more of a hyper-realistic animated movie kind of vibe to these things. I think we can really lean more into the monsters. So I don't know if he would just be like, follow Kong around <laughs> the hollow earth or something, but... Um, I, it's weird though, like, I'm kind of into that, like, I saw him talking about that, and again, like to me, like the weakest parts of these movies are usually like, the human parts, right? Mm-hmm. And is I think it'd be very interesting to try just like a strange like kind of almost tone poem like version of this where there's like no human characters you know and like no dialogue is spoken throughout the entire film yeah. just watching Godzilla and Kong as buddies like fighting some other thing and it's just like it's just the monsters like it would, I, it, I mean it's, it would be it would be obviously a risk but it, yeah it's uh, like a weird experiment I could get behind it but it's like there's already such a big problem. And I think studios have, like, adopted this mentality that Godzilla fans don't think that humans or story matter. And it's like, I I just, I I wouldn't want it to set that precedent. Like, it it, it just... After this movie, would you be more receptive to a Pacific Rim and Godzilla crossover? I mean, I'm not a With big... how bonkers this one got? Or uh, I mean, I do could. You, I do you could. not want I'm... the stink of what Pacific Rim became all over this? Yeah, that, there's that. <laughs> and it's also just like, you know, I, I do appreciate a franchise just kind of being able to be its own thing. Like, I've never been super hot on crossovers. Um, you know, I, w- I, I would give it a chance, but, you know, I, I, I wouldn't... I don't know. I, I guess I guess my answer is my opinion wouldn't really change on that this is godzilla like, versus kong <laughs> <laughs> you just dropped freddy versus jason you love crossovers man get out of here i, I mean all of this stuff kind of just le- it leans into fan fiction a little bit even this you know i mean well, I think we, and I th- speaking of that and i think we said this before but just now bird when you were like well okay they just used gidra rodan like mecha godzilla what do you do next it's like why is it always like well what toho monsters are left for them like at, at some point you're like you can they can make their own right and i know, they, I know and they then they have series, yeah i mean yeah i mean they, I, not, not, but none none that have ended up being very iconic right, right? yeah so tom and i of, love the behemoth guy the woolly mammoth looking thing <laughs> like you know i would totally watch him do stuff you gotta there's gotta be like something better out there than like the mudos you know yeah. like um so yeah, I, I don't think. Would you rather see Godzilla versus Pacific Rim or Godzilla versus Cloverfield? <sighs> yeah, probably Pacific Rim. Mm. What about Godzilla versus the Cloverfield Paradox? <laughs> what would? That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I mean I I think we all at the end of the day do agree that like we prefer these movies when there's like actual characters and stories going on and. It's one of those things where it's like, just because this one was able to not do that better than some of the others, it's like, I don't want that to be the norm, you know? Hey, we were talking about it in our little Godzilla chat that we have, though. Of like, It would be interesting to see someone attempt it once, right? Uh, a movie that's really, truly not about 
humans and like, like bear. I, I, anyone again it's not something bear. i'm it's not something i'd be it's not something i advocate for you know because i generally think when people say i want a movie that's got no humans they want a movie that's like just non-stop fighting and that would be like boring to me i want a movie where like you know we wake up like we watch kong wake up and scratch his ass some and <laughs> You take a shower and brush his teeth and you know like get ready for his day and Godzilla's coming over and they're gonna play and you know like like really show us like a day in their lives before mm-hmm. showing us you know then how shit gets crazy yeah. too and and also like not remove humans from it completely but have the humans almost play the kaiju part right well i well i know we give him a lot of shit but michael doherty was saying that like if he if he got an opportunity to do another one do whatever he wanted he would do like a one million years bc kind of movie that's like humans and monsters like i don't know prehistoric times or whatever no dialogue like, do you think that kind Dude, of I, fits into what saying, you're saying? And then the cavemen invent a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> I'm still saying flip the flip the script. Invert the relationships, right? Rather than have the kaiju be a thing the humans are trying to work around, have the show it from the kaiju point of view and have it, you know, the humans be the obstacle that the kaiju are trying to work around. That could be an interesting take. I I, I mean I wouldn't want it to just be rushed into, and I, I don't even know that I would want it to be a studio project because I really think it would it would take like a, a vision of someone who really works to understand how something like that could work. It's, and, it's weird that in a genre that's been around this long that we haven't got something like that yet, That's that this hasn't really been kind of attempted Unless you guys know one I'm not thinking of, but I mean, like, in yeah. a big way that no one's been like, let's just make the kaiju movie where it's like... Almost sounds like something that would be kaiju. cool as an animated project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I still bristle at, you know, anything that could send the message to these people that story and characters oh, yeah. don't matter and i and i i i i think that we can't emph- i i can't emphasize that enough because i i really do feel like part of the reason the human storylines and a lot of this recent stuff is that they they feel like it the, the studios and the fans wrongly feel like it doesn't matter and and that's when you get all these comparisons to like well you know the showa movies did like were goofy so that's why it's okay that you know mechagodzilla is shorted with whiskey but i don't know i i know tom and i had like an interesting discourse and like if tom if you could really briefly kind of go over the difference <laughs> that i'm yeah. speaking to here yeah so like yeah we, we just like like you said it, it gets into these what about isms right of like you know you say something like i can't believe like i think all four of us are in agreement like i can't believe how ultimately freaking stupid that that whole thing is with pouring a drink on a computer console to short out a satellite is like they couldn't think of a better way and they went with something that that's that stupid and then people will be like well the show the showa era those are all stupid this is just a homage to that and it's like 
I don't know, man. The, the only thing we could think of that, like, even remotely comes close to that is when the cockroach aliens shoot a drawing in Godzilla versus Gigon. <laughs> but even that is given more logical internal consistency. And I think that's a big thing when you're talking about, like, something being stupid, right? Is in, is is like an internal consistency. Um, I think this movie has has that where like okay, we've picked on the idea of it having a, a tunnel from New York or from from Florida to Hong Kong a couple times, but at the same time, we're we are living in a world in this movie where you can get to the center of the Earth via tunnels. So for a a computer robotics company to have a tunnel that's also that big. It, that's not a big logical internal internal logic jump, right? But when you start talking about like defying how the actual thing works, it it becomes a problem. And uh, yeah, it, it's just like just because something's crazy and stupid doesn't mean it's Showa, right? D- just because something is is dumb doesn't mean it's a throwback um there's there's nine like i feel like when most people say oh this is a homage to the showa era they're specifically talking about like hedra gigon megalon um mechagodzilla and terror of mechagodzilla and they're probably not really talking about terror of mechagodzilla because that movie is like grim and about suicide um <laughs> so so <laughs> So they're really talking about like four movies and you forget that there's like there's nine movies that come before that. Mm-hmm. And out of the 15 Showa Godzilla movies, very few of them, you know, th- this move this movie does not have like a higher message or any biting satire in its script. And I'm not saying it has to. But people say, oh, that's just like the Showa era. And it's like, no, it's not. I mean, more of those movies have a message or an attempt at a message than do not. You know, whether it's the original, obviously, or King Kong versus Godzilla having its having its biting satire of the salaryman, uh, Mothra having an, a strong environmental message, Godzilla's revenge being bullying uh godzilla versus gigon having themes about capitalism and consumerism hydra having an environmental message there's there's messages in a lot of these movies and and for people to just say oh well this was stupid and this was crazy and therefore it's a show a movie i think really misses the point and um it, it's just kind of one of those things of like you know just because a movie doesn't have something to say doesn't mean it can it it can get away with falling to like such bad internal logic at times. Like, I don't necessarily think the '74 Mechagodzilla movie has anything specific to say, right? I don't think there's a message in that movie. Um, maybe there is a tiny little bit about like you know Okinawans or something, but they, really the movie does not have uh, a message. Or, or a theme so much behind it. It's just a big kind of crazy fun movie. But it's got a smarter and more consistent script than Godzilla vs. Well, Kong. Well, I, I was going to say, it, it also kind of um, undersells the, you know, the, the filmmaking yeah. and, and that went on in some of those like, early movies. And, and, and especially the screenplays. Like, 
A lot of those yeah. screenplays the are super. And Godzilla don't just let humans walk around their base without <laughs> security. Well, like... well, I, I, the scripts are like Monster Zero is like a really witty script. Like there's a dry humor to it that just pops. Like it's it's kind of short selling that aspect. I think. Speaking yeah, of which, it, I didn't it, like the humor in this movie, like, at all. <laughs> That's one thing none of these MonsterVerse movies ever really nailed was the, like, comic relief. I thought it was more tolerable here than in oh, King yeah, of the Monsters. Oh, yeah, King of the Monsters. Oh, one thing we should talk about, what do you guys think of the Junkie XL score? It didn't really ever, like... like it. it was fine, but it never really... It's it. Nothing struck me as like very memorable. It never hit me like yeah. that much. Yeah. I listened to some of it like before the movie came out. Like they released a couple tracks, and like they didn't really do much for me. Like the Godzilla theme he did is especially like it feels like great value if Fukube. Like it's like <laughs> we don't want to pay the license again for the old theme. So like do something that sounds like sort of like it. And um, some of the some of those cues work better accompanying the movie but overall i wasn't too fond of it like um i know i know it's a score he mostly did just like by himself at home in quarantine or whatever so like there was no orchestra involved so it's it's like synth but yeah. it's like synth pretending to be orchestra which just sounds well, weird like, to me and synth, like and synth is probably like that's maybe what wingard was asking for too. yeah but, but like it's like if you're gonna go synth, go like full John Carpenter, which we do get like over the end credits, we get kind of like a something like yeah. that. Yeah, it didn't have it. Did, it definitely didn't have the energy of like what I would expect from a Junkie XL score. He's 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 done yeah. better work. He's this. always kind of hit and yeah. miss with me. Like um, I like some of his Justice League score. I I like his Fury Road score a lot. It's probably my favorite. Um, one weird thing is that he had a gigantic drum built for him to play that he couldn't fit into his house. And I don't really know why, because it all, like, there's nothing in this score that makes me think, like, oh, that was played with a gigantic drum. Like, it's, it's like a weird gimmick or something. Yeah. I, the score is, like, I don't know, I, they, they released, like, the full album about a week before, and they put it on YouTube, and they, and they did one of those things where it was, like, it was the full like the the video was like an hour and nine and thirty minutes long or something, and I threw it on while I was working and just kind of listened to it. And I mean, I do that a lot with with music. I'll just throw like something on, um, particularly movie scores. And like what I what I tend to do is I throw it on and on Amazon while I'm listening. And if I if I if I start listening and I hear a track that really grabs me, I throw it in a playlist. Right. Um, and while I was listening to this, I would have done that for none of the tracks. Like there's not a single track in this that I would have been like, Oh, let me throw that in my, like in my scores and soundtracks playlist and have, you know, it kind of be added to that. Um, but in the context of the movie, it's fine. Right. It's never like bad. When, when they Um, released like the album, like on YouTube before the movie came out, my favorite tweet was from like. He was like a Godzilla fan, but he was like uh, listening to the Godzilla vs. Kong score, and I'm a half hour in, and I'm still waiting for the music to start. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, uh, Matt, you said like it, it worked for you, right? That's what you were saying? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I liked it in the movie. I I liked the Godzilla score. You're not wrong. It is great value of Fuka Bay. Like, there's no bones about that. He's very much, you know, taking that 
dun 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 thing and, and and messing with it. But in the context of the film, I actually enjoyed it. Now, would I listen to it standalone? Because like to me, that's the mark of of a really good score. No, not really. So like, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's serviceable. I dug it in the movie, and that's like an, all I could really ask in this case. Yeah, that's fair. Um. So uh, I guess before we head out, I mean, I we kind of we touched... haven't talked about King Kong Lives. What is wrong with us? I don't know if we actually mentioned that specifically. Wait, what? Well, just like the the heart. The oh yeah, no. We when they were like, we need to. He needs to. We need to. About. Yeah, they were like, his heart's dying out. I was like, I I immediately thought of King Kong Lives. Um, I, I would anybody. love. I would love for him to come out and say that that was his homage to King. Kong Actually, Lives. Tom, I'm gonna break your heart a little bit. Wingard said that he rewatched all the Godzilla and Kong movies, but he didn't watch Son of Kong or King Kong Lives. <sighs> that makes yeah. me sad. Oh, uh, speaking of King Kong Lives... I would have loved for him to say that, because then maybe it could have led to a Blu-ray of that movie to give <laughs> some goddamn justice in the world. Uh, speaking of King Kong Lives, one more little Easter egg thing is um, uh, Lance Reddick's character's last name is Gillerman, which is... Uh, a nod to the director of King Kong Lives and King Kong 76, John Gillerman. He's named after him. Hey, no KPG references. Not that we know yeah. of. For, noticed, for people but... that don't know, that's like a... Is it like a government organization? Yeah, that's like a government... Like yeah. that's the, it's the organization that like created David and the guest. And yeah, the yeah. It, it's like... Max works for them. Yeah. yeah, in all of Wingard's movies, like... There's some kind of reference to that organization. Did did Death Wish or <laughs> Death Wish? Did <laughs> did Death Note have one? Uh, I I don't know, and I'm not going to go back to find out. <laughs> uh, no. That's fair. Yeah, no, I, I, I do have blame you. Uh, a couple of like trivia pieces that I just want to run through real quick. Um, so <clears throat> the the bracket at the beginning of the movie, uh, where you know it shows like Godzilla killing all the monsters, or whatever. Uh, that was actually referencing from uh, Street Fighter 2. Which I, oh, I, I know what you're talking about, about, yeah. Hey, speaking of those um, opening credits, can we talk about how some like fan art, like some deviant art guy noticed one of his drawings in the opening credits? <laughs> and he was like, I didn't tell them they could use it. Whoopsies. He was like, he was like if they would have asked, I would have just said yes. But, but now I'm mad because they didn't even ask. Yeah. Oh, that cracked me up. Um, I, I do know too that uh, we, we talked about Mechagodzilla being in the first trailer. Yes, that was totally intentional. I mean, movie studios know that like people are going to freeze frame and and look at every single part of the trailer to find out what the plot is. Like that was very much intentional. And plus, like Wingard was actually talking about how um, like dude, the toys leaked two years ago. Like everybody knew this was coming. He said it was the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Which is not, you know, as far untrue. as like leaks go for like big movies, it is one of the like. <laughs> worst ones <laughs> well also like yeah, just I, like i mean like walking out of king of the monsters i remember talking to bird and just being like so like they haven't done mecha godzilla yet right like he'll probably be the next one it's just like it's the other iconic character that you know i've, I've seen some to. people say like yeah wouldn't Me- mecha Ghidorah make more sense do you think that was like it sounds like it sounds like they had mecha godzilla decided a long time ago but do you think that might have been like an intentional misdirect is like oh the Ghidorah head is still out there like and then to see that, yeah, we're using the Ghidorah head, but it's actually Mechagodzilla. I just, I, no. I, I, it's, it was always going to be Mechagodzilla. That's too, yeah. that's too iconic of a villain not to use. Yeah, right. yeah. I think so, too. Uh, 
I also know that Wingard was upset to find out with everybody else at the same time that his movie was being streamed on HBO Max. Like, yeah. he found well, out well, the same day that everybody that's else That's a did. whole other thing. Like, we haven't even mentioned <laughs> Warner Brothers is in complete shambles right now, and them and Legendary definitely aren't friends. <laughs> so, just talking about, like, more reasons why, yeah, we're probably done with these movies is like, yeah, that's, that's uh, gonna in, be a problem. In win- you know, not it sucks for Wingard, but like, I think every director who made a movie for Warner found out on that same day. Yeah. I you know. know like, um, Denny Venuble, <laughs> the Dune guy. Yeah. He was pretty, yeah, he was very upset about it. I think peeved. the only one who like wasn't upset initially was Patty Jenkins. Cause they gave her and Gal Gadot like a very big payday. Yeah. Yeah. The other piece is that I, I know that the, um, we, we talked about this, we talked about wet a lot or wet a lot, but like they did a lot, most of the, um, Hollower stuff. Plus, there were two other companies that did the special effects, which was like NPC and Scanline. Those are the other minor pieces of trivia that I had. Um, someone referred to this movie as a horror movie for buildings. <laughs> I've seen it. I saw it listed as a horror movie for architects. Um, <laughs> have any of the have any of like the rappers that are that believe in flat Earth have they weighed in on the whole Hollower yeah, thing? Right. <laughs> yeah. I give yeah. I wonder what would happen if you give them like a copy of Journey to the Center of the Earth. Like, are they just going to be like, "Oh, this is real"? <laughs> no, don't they think it's ridiculous because there's no. Yeah, they would think you would just pop instantly pop out on the other side. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say one last thing, just to dangle this like the sadness of this over our heads. Bird, when you're talking about like how they're finding not going to be another one, and if like it, if there was maybe to be Wingard. So, like, one of Wingard's next projects looks like it's probably going to be Face Off 2, which is going to team him up with Nicolas Cage. If oh, they become buddies, oh, yeah. Nicolas oh, Cage you loves Godzilla. That. No, Ni- I, I don't know if people know, but, like, I mean, yeah, there's, like, famous people that are, oh, I like Godzilla, but Nicolas Cage is, like, a true, like, he's, like, is into he Godzilla. He has, like, the same Godzilla t-shirts that, like, we all have. Yeah, he's, he's like, is in Godzilla, <laughs> into Godzilla as us. Like, If you want to solve your, like, the, your problem with human characters in these movies, just cast Nicolas Cage as a lead and be, like, just be Nicolas Cage. And then it doesn't <laughs> matter if the character's great. Like, it's just gonna be awesome. Yeah, you know? no, that, that would be a dream come true. Um, okay, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess we're, we're about good here what's a uh what's what geez what's a good um what's a good rating scale for this how many um how many uh i don't know i got nothing how many robot godzilla no mecha godzillas (laughs) yeah Um, I'm gonna give it a three and a half. I mean, um, for Godzilla, my fours and fives, I, I kind of save for the movies that are, like, really special to me. Um, this one's not quite there, but, like, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty dang fun. And, um, you know, it's, and it, it doesn't sink into my bottom ten. I mean, there's 30, this is the 36th one of these things, um, so yeah, I mean, I I I think it's a blast. Uh, I'm not. You're not gonna get me to try and convince you it's good or that it's like yeah. Tell everyone you know to go see it. Like it's dumb, uh, and you know I realize a lot of people aren't gonna like that about it. But 
I had a good time. I can't pretend I didn't. I'm going to go with three and a half. I'll go next because um, I'm also going to go three and a half, um, which is kind of surprising to me. But yeah, no, I, I dug this one. Uh, you know, it's got it's it's stupid, but uh, this time I enjoyed the stupidity, and I think the movie enjoyed the stupidity uh, and was like it wanted me to think it was stupid, and that's what I liked. Um, am I disappointed that in a series of four MonsterVerse movies I never got up to a four on any of them? Yes, but I'm happy that this is the one that I liked enough to give it a three point five, and it's a very strong three point five, and this is the only one where. With the other three, I feel like the more farther away I got from them, the the like the more they went down in my estimation. I would think about them more, and they would, I would like them less as I thought about them. And I think this is the first one where I can I can already sense myself. I think the more I think about this one, and in the in the weeks and months ahead, I'm probably gonna like this a little bit more than I did on my first viewing. So when I revisit it in a few months, I think it'll. I'll, now that I know the stupidity going in, I'll be able to even enjoy it a little bit more. So yeah, great great third act and just uh, a fun film all the way through. Yeah, I really want to echo what what Trev just said there about like before you know, kind of preface what I'm my rating with with that of like I could see I could see this sliding up a half a star for me honestly over time right it's it's one of those things where um, because I intend on watching it again and possibly again and again depending on you know if my kids want to revisit it. It could be again and again and again and again. Um, I could see it going going higher up, right? Um, and and I don't necessarily going in terms of star rating lower. Um, in terms of where I might put it in ter- in my overall Godzilla rankings, I might slide it up or down, kind of depending on you know, like four or five slots or something, right? Depending on whether I think it gets a little better over time or kind of stays the same or maybe just slightly kind of tapers off for me. But I'm also at a three and a half right now. I could see it going up to a four, um, you know, way too early, sort of where does this fall in terms of my favorite Godzilla movies? I'd put it like around 15 right now, which would be, you know, top third basically at this point um it's it's fun and you know like i i really appreciated that even though this is a this is very much you know a hollywood movie and it very much is like kind of that typical standard pg-13 hollywood movie uh wingard was super successful when he said he wanted to make it be a godzilla movie and a kid's movie and like there's no unnecessary swearing you know there's there's nothing that when you sit down and watch this with a kid you are you get that like uncomfortable moment where you're like "Ah, i don't know if my you know five-year-old should really be watching this um and i really really appreciate that and i think over time i'm gonna really start to appreciate even more that like this is the one of the maybe even the four of these that you can throw on like when it's already kind of later at night. Cause it, it's only, it's only an hour, 40 minutes long. Yeah. So I'm going to go crazy and say, this is a four and a half. And like, <laughs> now listen, I, I know that this is, this is straight up recency bias, I'm sure, but like it does exactly what it sets out to do. And I, and also for me, I think a big way that I filter movies is like how I'm feeling at the time and how it impacts that. And like, this was a escape 
and it was everything that like it needed to be and it was just kind of a, a joy to watch on the screen is it a four and a half objectively no i'm not saying that but like i had that much fun and for me that kind of eclipses whatever flaws and we discussed all of those during this podcast and so like I- i'm not going to say anything let me just put it this way like th- this movie to me is it was found me in a weird place and like it came at a weird time where we're all dealing with covid and all the crap that we have to deal with and it was just a a joy to behold on the screen plus like it's godzilla so i'm going to be a godzilla tard and just say i'm I-, I want the four and a half okay so matt says it's the best motion picture of all time the rest of us said it was pretty the rest of us said it was pretty good so uh i i get that though matt i mean like there there were several movies that came out during the this pandemic that i I think in in other times i might have been like oh that was pretty fun but because of because of things being what they are i like really latched onto them i mean like wonder woman 84 i remember you were like all about it Well, yeah, the crushing disappointment of that movie, like you know, like I think I think Bill and Ted Face the Music is a is a pretty good example. Like yeah. that that would be a movie that when it came if it came out like at any other time, I'd have been like, oh, it was good, it was fun, it was enjoyable. But it came out when it came out, and it was like, you know, here's these two characters, Bill and Ted, who are like just relentlessly optimistic yeah, and relentlessly so positive, positive yeah. and. They're so nice to each other all the time. And it was like, wow, here's this like breath of like just pure joy into this world that is utter misery right now. And it 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 made it go from what what would be maybe a three and a half, maybe even a three up to a four. Like I liked it that much at that time. Um, and I could see this for some people and Matt's one of them. That's fine. Being like, oh, this is like ju- just what I needed. Yeah. Um, especially if you're a person who usually likes big blockbusters. And we haven't – I mean, I am one of those people, right? Uh, and that's why I'm I'm flirting already with the idea of going with a four. We, we I like big blockbusters. And if you're a person like that who likes big blockbusters, we haven't had one in how long? And, yeah, we've had Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and Wonder Woman 84, but um, – Let's just say that if if you're into the same kind of blockbusters as like me and probably Matt, those two movies probably not scratching the itch of like the kind of blockbuster you're looking for. Tom, speaking of uh, Bill and Ted, maybe the next one is uh, Godzilla versus Dennis Caleb McCoy. I'd, I'd watch, watch it. it. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, check it out. It's a fun movie. It's one of those where like, I mean, I've seen people that haven't liked it, and it's like nothing that they've said is not true it's just you know the extent to which that bothers you will vary (laughs) right yeah yeah lizard Um, fight monkey i'm in uh all right well i mean we've been going on this is probably our second longest episode (laughs) at this point hold on i just want to i want to quickly say damian bashir isaac gonzalez and mickey i i I want to make sure i pronounce those right at some point in this episode so So, i don't sound like yeah all right yeah okay so now that you've corrected well, that, I never uh, redeem myself. Yes. Yeah, they would never forgive you. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll head on out of here, and um, yeah, I guess uh, with MonsterVerse, we'll we'll see what this Kong animated series brings. Which it has to be uh, set before this because it's a Skull Island series, right? So we'll see we'll see how that goes. Maybe they'll show the storm like sweep all the natives away in a 
hurricane or whatever. Maybe it's what I'm asking for. Maybe it's a cartoon just about them building that containment unit around the island. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. They well, have to keep, the whole cartoon is they have to keep distracting Kong. Make him look over here, and we'll put up this side of it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, we will head out of here. So, uh, yeah, tune in next time, folks. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.